0: Hello and welcome to the Survivor Historians, the only Survivor podcast that is less trustworthy than dreams. I'm Mario Lanza.
1: I found the lemon tree.
2: I'm Jay Fisher and we're going to have ourselves a fire sale. Burned.
3: I'm Mike and I can finally find out how many zeros are in a million.
4: Burned. Uh, and I'm Paul Osleson and I'm a follower. I follow Cassandra.
0: Burned. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And we are here to finish off the recap of uh, one of the more criminally, criminally underrated seasons in Survivor history, one that had almost zero fans a couple of years ago, uh, Survivor Fiji, one that I will say I have enjoyed this rewatch as much as any rewatch we've done up to this point. I am fascinated by the season. I loved watching the last couple episodes today. I just think it's so gripping with the Yao Man and Dream stuff. and I am thrilled that we finally get to talk about these last couple episodes.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a season – I wouldn't even necessarily say holds up well. I mean, I think it does, but it's just – like you said, Mario, it's, it's a season where even today I was very tired. I, I, I had a lot of things going on and I had to finish up a couple of episodes. And sometimes when you get into that mindset, like even though I love Survivor, sometimes – Sometimes going in to watch some of these old episodes, you're like, oh, man, I have to, you know, kind of carve out this chunk of time to watch these episodes. And I was sort of having that feeling going in. But once the episode started, I just sort of got lost for a couple of hours. And, you know, you sort of forget everything else. And to me, that's that's the mark of a good rewatch, a good TV is you just sort of forget everything around you and you just sort of get sucked into the show.
3: The thing that that's interesting to me is that a lot of people complain about both this season and a lot of Modern Survivor in that things are very recruit-heavy, and people tend to have a, a negative connotation in terms of there being a lot of recruits on the show means almost no strategy, means not a good season. But I think Fiji is a good example of why that doesn't exactly work out, because in my opinion, more recruits means a higher emotional uh, volatility. And we especially get to see this in these last couple episodes, where you know, Dreams can talk all he wants in these last few episodes about how I was playing the game from day one. When I made that, when I took the deal, I was playing Man the entire time. But Dreams is, I feel like, is entirely fueled by his emotions for these last couple weeks in the game. And it makes things so much more interesting than a really strategically driven season, in my opinion.
4: I was going to put my two cents in here, and I'll repeat what I repeated the first time we sat down to record about Fiji. And that I think this season is also very powerful on a rewatch because of the fact that we've only ever had one returning player from the season, being Yao Man. I
1: found the lemon tree.
4: And that does not last very long at all. So for the most part, none of these people's reputations are tainted. We don't watch this season with any expectations of how these players are going to play again. So it's very fun just to watch Survivor Fiji kind of in a vacuum and really get to have some fun with these characters that you, you're, not, you know, you're not thinking about what they do later on because this is all we have.
0: Yeah, and we had talked earlier in part one about how dreams is this tragic figure, kind of like Ian and uh, Palau, and I'd kind of forgotten why we said that. I was going through the first two episodes, two parts of this podcast, and then I finally got to the last two three episodes. And I'm like, oh yeah, now I remember. And I'm, and it's it's just interesting because this is something I've been saying about Fiji for years, like the whole Yao Man dreams thing. There's so many different layers going on in that situation, and so many different levels of like ethics and honor and strategy and all this stuff that it's like there's almost no season that has a moment as interesting as that Yao Man dreams thing at the end. That's one thing I've, one thing I've always said in defensive Fiji, like, yeah, maybe from start to finish, it's not the strongest season, but like the highs of this season are higher than just about any other season out there. Like I can think of maybe five moments that are as gripping as the Yao Man dreams scene at the end in this one. So I, I just, it was was thrilled to, uh, I was thrilled to watch it today and it was just, I mean, I'm sitting there watching dreams go through this and squirm and you can see him crying. It's like, oh my God. Like that guy went through turmoil and it was just it was just very gripping. And again, I'm not used to Survivor being that gripping. It was a very interesting rewatch today. He I mean, s- Mario,
3: I, I can completely understand that because you're you come from a psychology background or a sociology background, and that's what brought you to the show in the first place. And I completely agree that this is probably one of the most morality driven end games we've ever seen in terms of decision nodes. I think, you know, maybe in earlier seasons, especially season one, there was a lot of talk about the good people and the bad people and the good decisions and the bad decisions. But we're at this point, you know, getting around halfway through Survivor's current tenure. And we're a long way from the Pagongs and the Toggies by now. So the, the, the whole question about morality in this game is usually off the table with a couple of seasons being the exception up to this point. So to have this conversation kind of come back, it's a little invigorating in a way. Because I thought we had sort of done away with that and everyone, everyone sort of adapted to the mentality that it's just a game. We're making the, these moves to have it just be in a game. And then to have this emotional aspect come back into it was really nicely satisfying. And I was pretty surprised by that.
2: And it's something that to me that holds up more than just uh, sort of strategy talk and it's it's not like I'm saying, oh, I hate strategy or strategy's no good but it's like in a lot of sort of strategy heavy seasons you you talk about like should this person have flipped here or you know do they do they you know split the votes here and, and do they do these sort of like mechanical moves and it's it's almost like a game of, of you know, of Parcheesi or something at that point where you're just kind of like just dissecting moves and go, well, didn't make the right move this time because of this. I'll go here. But this is a very human decision that that Dreams has to make. And I know we're already talking about it. And we've got many episodes to get to before we get to this Dreams decision. But I have a feeling that this Dreams Yao Man uh, decision is going to dominate a lot of the talk of what, what we're going to talk about in this final uh, installment of Fiji. And it's, it's an interesting one because at the heart of it it's a very simple question if your dreams do you give up immunity to yao man
1: i found the lemon tree
2: at the time that you do and you know you can answer yes or no and kind of say well yeah of course you do end a story or no of course you don't end a story but it's so complicated there's so many things that go into this decision and you could argue a lot of different angles and i think we are and i'm planning to argue a lot of different angles because you know, there's a lot behind it. And the reason why it's a lot behind it is not necessarily strategy-centric. It's it's more just the, the emotional and the human decisions that are behind such a very simple choice that dreams had to make.
0: Yeah, just on a personal level, this is something I don't really talk about a lot, but one of the things about my personality, and this is kind of why I became a writer and why I'm fairly good at writing, is that I'm actually kind of an empath. I don't know if you guys would know what an empath is. It's where you where you see someone experiencing something and you actually can experience the symptoms as well and I'm I'm really sensitive to that like I if I see someone with like a a broken arm or like a missing leg I can actually feel it in my leg it's one of those things I've had ever since I was a kid that I'm very sensitive to other people's feelings and thoughts and stuff and watching this thing with dreams and the turmoil he goes through is so un like it's uh uncomfortable for me to watch that because I can you can almost feel his pain where he's crying where he's making this decision he knows it's wrong he knows he's gonna let down his son it's just there's tears there's a I mean there's a point where he refuses to take the idol back to camp he's so ashamed of what he just did and again just as an empath I can only think of maybe three or four moments in survivor history that have really affected me that much to the point that I actually just almost start crying about it because it's so I could just feel their pain. Like I can think of Kathy, Kathy's last moments in Marquesas on the jury when she's just absolutely destroyed after what the did to her. And this dreams one is the other one too. So it's just, again, I don't talk about that, but it kind of ties into a lot of how I do a lot of my writing and this dreams thing just kills me sometimes.
3: But uh, before all that, uh, I guess we have to get through a couple episodes where Mookie and Alex go. So
0: No, let's just <laughs> jump right to the end. <laughs> let's just go right to the finale. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. So yeah, but well, there's one thing just to, uh, I, I brought down the room a little bit. I'm going to bring it down a little further. One of the controversies people have emailed to me about this the last couple episodes is that we have this quote, this, you know, Yao Man's I found a lemon tree clip. I found
1: a lemon tree.
0: Which we had a lot of fun with. And, and Tim, I don't know if you know Tim Allen, our editor, he's been playing it incessantly.
1: I found a lemon tree.
0: Throughout podcast number one and two and two he just put it in so much it was ridiculous
1: I found the lemon mystery
0: to the point that we actually had to talk about it
1: I found the lemon mystery
0: so I'm like Tim I, I was joking that he was power hungry in the last one I
1: found a lemon mystery.
0: so you can rest assured that uh Tim will not be overusing
1: I found a lemon tree. I
0: have a lemon tr- I found a lemon tree in this one okay because
1: I found a lemon
0: because there will be Serious consequences. I
1: found the lamb in your sleeve.
0: He knows he will be sacked. So I'm just letting you know ahead of time that this motherfucker Tim Allen will not be using that quote. I
1: found the lemon in your sleeve.
0: So there you go. Rest assured.
1: And I found the lemon in your sleeve.
2: And when this podcast comes out, Mario will then understand what an editor is. <laughs> yes.
0: Touche, as Kat would say. Touche.
4: <laughs> 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 How would you know, though, Mara? You've
0: never listened to a
3: podcast before.
0: I have people on the street. People on the street tell nothing. <laughs> oh, people on the street come up but to so you and so When you they, they,
3: they, they say your name, you assume that Mario is an uncommon name, so you turn around because yes. somebody somebody must know you.
0: I must know them. Why don't I know them? I have the the thing where everyone's face looks alike to me.
3: Oh, yeah. Nomin- uh, nominal afe-
2: nominal yeah. aphasia.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's get into the uh, final couple episodes. Oh, wait, episodes that was not knowing. Never mind. Final couple episodes of Survivor Fiji. Featuring, I found the lemon tree.: And again, this is one thing you have to kind of repeat here, that the most controversial decision in Survivor history that Probst was hy- hyping every week. And we have Yao Man here. I
1: found the lemon mystery.
0: Who was without question one of the most popular characters of his era. And this dominates a lot of the endgame and how this uh, season was resolved. So, we just had the fall of the Four Horsemen. We had Edgardo. Uh, taken out by uh, the Idol and Dreams more than anything last episode. And we were going to episode 11 where it's basically six people against two. It's just Mookie and Alex against the world.
4: And this has one of my favorite Fiji moments. It's one that's not talked about much, but it's part of my case of how awesome Stacy is (laughs) and what a great villain, a great character she is. Like, this is one of my favorite scenes of all time. Like, obviously, it starts off, we have a little bit of fallout from Tribal Council. Dreams is, you know... um, is is little unsure about why people didn't vote with him, and Earl kind of has to, you know, tell him the deal. And he goes, "Okay, whatever, it's fine." We know we know that these two are on the outside, and then we get this moment from Stacy. And like th- this whole moment works in two parts. So this is the first part of it, and then later on in the episode, I'm gonna reference back to this because they're really t- two really fun scenes to juxta, uh, juxtapose. So Stacy's talking about Alex and Mookie, and she says their days are numbered. So from here on out, we don't even have to stress or anything. And it's this night vision like view of her face, and her face just. Or she, first she says they'll be lucky if they get fed, and then she <laughs> turns her head ever so slightly, and it goes da don. and then that's what then transitions into the the opening and whatnot. But it's just like such <laughs> a perfect like little moment for Stacy about you know what a bitch Stacy
0: <laughs> was. She uh, hot and agitated. Uh, you could
4: probably describe it that way. But just re- re- remember this. Remember that Stacy is telling, you know, doesn't feel like they, you know, she doesn't feel the need to even feed some of her fellow tribe members. So just keep this in mind.
3: Yeah, St- Stacy makes Jerry Manthe look like Mother Teresa at this point.
0: And when I was, think- when I was watching that scene, I was thinking, that- I
1: found a lemon tree.
0: That's a girl who I want delivering school supplies.
1: Yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> Interacting with children and carrying Fijian children around.
0: Yeah. These kids are lucky they get vaccinated.
3: I also noticed
0: in this scene,
2: I, I pointed out uh, in previous Fiji podcasts, and I stand by this, and it, and it happens, is that Dreams is very, very weirdly clairvoyant when it comes to reading people and understanding situations that are out there. Dreams understands a lot of situations, but to kind of Dara this up, he understands a lot of situations, and then there's a lot of situations he becomes completely clueless on. Yeah. Like, they, 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 you know, they they intentionally sort of left him out in the agaro vote. And then, you know, it, it, in this quick damage control thing where, like, Alex and Mookie go to Dreams and go, why'd you betray us? And Dreams is like, no, 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 I voted. I, I didn't betray you. Who'd you vote for? Well, I voted for Mookie. Well, if you voted for us, it would have been 4-4. And Dreams is basically like, well, you know, I was playing dumb with them because I'm trying to get their votes, which... It's a smart move. I'm not saying that Dreams, you know, didn't play that right. But by the same time, he really was bamboozled. So, like, he's sitting there going, like, I knew everything all along. And it's like, but you didn't. But you did, but you didn't. And, and this is going to happen a couple other times in this thing where, like, Dreams is going to not know something and then basically say, yeah, I, I totally knew it was going on. And it's like, actually, it seems like you didn't. But... You know, whatever. None of my he, business.
3: He doesn't, he doesn't make the case better for himself when Mookie and Alex basically talk to him the next day. And first of all, Dream starts the conversation by basically sitting down and saying, like, guys, why don't we hang out anymore? Why aren't we <laughs> friends? And then he follows it up by saying, like, hey, listen, guys, I, you know, it's, it's not me turning on y'all. It's me joining with them. And it's like, <laughs> Dreams, this is, I know this is a game of, like, moral gray areas, but this is a pretty definitive line drawn in the sand. <laughs> and you very easily jumped alliances. <laughs> I didn't
2: and- betray you. I just joined all the other people. <laughs> yeah.
0: He's a you master know, I, of rhetoric.
4: I had a I had a very similar reaction to to what Jay what you're talking about how there are a lot of moments in the season where you actually when you watch Dreams you give him a lot of credit for you know what he picks up on and so but I had the same reaction in the scene but then the scene also closes out in the next morning with him acknowledging that he realizes that he's he's feeding them a story. And that he needs their vote on the jury. Right. So I like those moments if you watch them. It's very easy just to paint Dreams as a character who doesn't really know, get the game. But he's very, even at this stage, at the final eight, he is very final seven. You know, he's very keen on the fact that, hey, he still needs these guys' votes. Yeah.
2: I mean, that's why he's doing damage control. Like, he's doing it poorly, but that's his motivation. His motivation is exactly correct, which, you know, again, points out that Dreams... Not so bad. Complicated character. It a, a, a one in a million character in Survivor. Dreams is. Yeah.
0: it's one of those things where the idea is good, just the execution's not that great because he's, and it's something Yao Man brings up during the reunion show that Dreams is a very smart guy. He's just not disciplined in his thinking. He can't really focus what he's trying to do correctly.
3: Yeah, he's 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 just like a he's like a scattered. Uh, atomic reaction, and that he contains a lot of power within himself, but he's so splayed out in chaotic formations that the, the power can't really be contained safely. It's dreams noble.
0: <laughs> yes, for you science fans out there. All right, so we're going to go into the reward challenge here. This is uh where we uh launch the balls and they try to catch them in the little wicker the little wicker uh, holders, whatever those are called, baskets. That's what they're. That's what we call them.
3: Yeah, more lax, bros.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so this is the one. Yeah, they break down into teams of four, and they have to launch the balls and catch them in the basket. And the winning team gets to go to the spa and win Olay Ribbons body wash, which we hear a lot of in the next couple minutes. This Olay Ribbons body wash.
2: And I love the you know not just to pump up the Olay Ribbons body wash, but just the fact that Jeff's like, "You're just going to get on a seaplane. You're just going to get in there dirty." And just go there over there. You know, it was very adamant that, like, they couldn't, you know, wash off or anything because, you know, you got to get the full Olay ribbons body wash treatment going on here.
3: I, I always I, I don't think we talked about this after the, the Cook Islands podcast, but during this era of Survivor, I actually kind of like noting who the sponsors are that hung on after Cook Islands because. I know this isn't the uh, completely true, but part of me wants to kind of think like, oh, yeah, these guys support racism. They didn't they didn't drop off after the, <laughs> the season that separated things by races. So it seems like they're OK with, you know, separating things out by ethnicity. So Olay, big thumbs up for you for doing that, for Solidarity, sticking it out.
2: So so they get through, you know, this is stand, <laughs> this is standard launch ball, catch ball, you know, sort of uh, physical challenge, you know, and and uh, uh, the the one team wins. It's a uh, um um alex dreams earl and stacy win the reward the other people don't but i think one of my favorite things here is and it's it's not so much like boo basically gets an injury at some point like he dives out or he pushes and he falls down to the ground and he says he heard his uh he says he hurt his, his 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 knee pop or whatever but what i love is that he falls he goes
0: it's my acl well wait wait a minute. did you follow that up in the reunion show that's actually what happened i yeah. know but I yeah, just love no no it like, I
3: I agree with Jay. I love how it's surprisingly accurate his asses, his medical assessment is immediately upon it happening.
2: <laughs> like, oh, well, what he, happened? It's not oh, it's my knee. Oh, it's my ACL. And I'm sitting there had, going like, that is I mean, Boo, have you you know your knees. I got to say,
0: Boo was one of the youngest men to go through medical school. He was basically Doogie Hauser. <laughs> Boogie also, Hauser. Did he Boogie Hauser? <laughs> Did he also, like, slowly... Did he keep a journal on his computer
2: and slowly type and then kind of, like, in the mid-sentence, stare off in the distance?
3: But then the computer fell on him because he's that (laughs) clumsy.
0: So, yeah. So, anyway, for those of you who haven't seen the scene, yeah, Boo slips in the mud. He tears his ACL or something. He starts screaming. They bring out medical. And he stands out, and he basically pops it back in with a very audible pop. And you hear it, and he's like, oh, I guess I'm fine again. But it's one of those, and again, Boo gets hurt. But they do say in the reunion show boo's like oh yeah i actually did tear my acl and again you tear an acl in baseball or football you're done for the season so he finished the last couple days on survivor with a torn acl that's that's pretty badass to be honest i mean I i have to give it up for boo at that at that point
3: not to mention he also wins like the next couple of immunity challenges in the coming episodes. so to not only stay in the competition but beat five to six other individuals in those competitions with a torn acl is uh You know, I I've forgotten how much they talk up Boo being a a physical presence in this game, but I guess it was warranted considering he was able to do that basically with that handicap on.
0: Yep, absolutely.
3: And the other thing, uh, he
4: survived the crazy
0: uh, crazy beast Cassandra and all this. I know. Yeah, I was gonna say that's one of the things I noticed about this challenge is Cassandra just cheap shotting people. (laughs) Watch out, ladies and gentlemen.
4: She is off the road and she is ready to rumble.
3: Yeah, who thought Cassandra and Rob Zabachnik would have something in common, their propensity to choke people? Right. Yeah. And
0: Cassandra just lost by a bunch of rules. <laughs> okay, for the record, what she does is she chokes Earl very blatantly to the point that Earl starts complaining to probes that she's choking him. And there's another scene later where she just trips Alex. Like she just flat out sticks her leg out and trips him. And again, this is Cassandra who in her final <laughs> words says she was the friend to all. I was always there with a helpful word.
2: Oh, uh, Cassandra! Your final tribal council is a train wreck. But like, uh, you know, it, yeah. But so four of them win. Hey, hey, can we wash it up? No, get right on the cop copter. Go, go, go.
3: Which again, I'm sure this helicopter pilot was like, really? I just <laughs> come on, guys. I, did, I, I took the, the plastic clean. off
0: yesterday. I want them dirty. Put them in there dirty. <laughs> oh boy.
2: <laughs> so they send they send Boo to Exile Island because. You know, Boo has you know basically been living in what Moto the whole time. So they're like, yeah, just go to Exile Island, and Boo gets a clue, and he's like, hmm, I have a clue. Or yeah, and then, uh, but we basically in, like they they literally don't spend much time at all at this reward. It was basically like they get there and they're like, yeah, we're here, all right. And Alex is like, hey, uh, you guys gonna vote? No, okay. And then they <laughs> like come back.
0: So much of that Ole Ribbons body so, wash. I mean, it's sponsored so- by racists.
2: Usually when you get to like the, you know, we're taking a plane and we're going to a resort, like you get the whole thing. It's like basically they just get there, they wash off, they order a cheese platter, and they're done. Like that's it.
3: Well, it's because we
0: have to go back to to the uh Mookie and Yao Man's bag gate. This
2: is like a very funny scene that arguably this is doesn't great. I mean it's it's funny and it's amusing. It doesn't hold up in the whole annals of survivor history in the sense of like it's funny because it's 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 a whole thing of emotions. All right, let's set this up. So basically, you know, they get back from their reward, so everyone's back on the beach, and so Yao Man basically is off. People are off on their own. So Alex and Mookie are basically trying to figure out, hey, you know, how do, how do how do we try to turn the tide? Because it's it's everybody against us. And they basically were thinking, you know, Yao Man goes off a lot, and you know, Yao Man's been in exile and all that sort of stuff. Maybe Yao Man's got a hidden immunity idol. So they basically then. Go into Yao Man's bag in camp while Yao Man isn't there, and they basically confirm they find it. Yes, Yao Man has the idol. So then they're like, "We know Yao Man has the idol. What are we gonna do about it?" And then hell breaks loose.
0: <laughs> so you know what else they you know what else they find in his bag is they find a lemon tree.
3: I found the lemon tree.
0: <laughs> God damn it, Tim! I just set you up. Sorry.
3: I found the lemon tree. Fulfilling prophecies. So I I know we're probably not too much about like rule semantics here on historians, but. Is it technically against the rules for Mookie to go through Yao Man's personal belongings to find the idol? I, I, I feel like that rule is still unclear to this day.
0: It's, it's never been a rule that they can't do that. But if you were to ask the audience, like I always, this is something I talked about in my book quite a bit, that when Ogakor went through Kel's bag back in Australia... Like, people went fucking batshit on the internet. Like, how dare you go through someone's bag? And they hated Jerry because of that. And that's the main reason people hated Jerry and, and Tina to a lesser extent because of that going through the bag. So I don't think there's ever been a rule against it. But, oh, the audience does not tend to like that. I think the
2: rule is is that you cannot take someone's, like, if someone has in their bag or possessions a hidden immunity idol, you cannot take it out and then claim it for yourself. Yeah. Like, so, you know, that's that's... You know, I know possessions nine tenths of the law, but I think there is a rule in Survivor. Like if you have the hidden immunity idol in your possession, you know, in, in, in like your clothing or your bag or something like that, like no one can go into your bag, take it out and then say, well, it's mine now because I took it out of your bag. But I don't think that there's any specific rule as to you can't go through their bag. I mean, it makes you kind of a, an asshole of a person, but, you know, I don't think that there are rules
0: against that. Mookie's like, I'm just old baggy going through the bag here.
3: (laughs) Old bag check.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so again, yeah. So Mookie goes through Yao Man's bag because he's deduced, you know, Yao Man's always back here at camp. So he's the only one who really could have looked for an idol. Mookie finds the idol. And Mookie's like, all right, well, Mookie and Alex and Dreams know that Yao Man has an idol now. What do we do about this?
2: That's what I love. They're like, what do we do with this information
3: and the best thing about it is, so we get this right, at the at the time we think innocuous scene between Stacy and Cassandra. They're sitting in the, the clearing near tree mail, and they're like, "Great." Toast to being the last two women here. This is an unlikely yeah, pair Since they
4: love each other now, they've always yeah, exactly. such a
3: strong bond. If you looked at like episode four and this episode back to back, you'd be like, what the what? Fuck? How did this? How did this happen? I guess it makes strange bedfellows, but they happen to overhear Alex and Mookie in the clearing talking about like, okay, this is what we're gonna do with this information. And I just love Alex and Mookie's subsequent, like, blow-up from hearing rustling in the bushes. Even though the best part of this is it turns out. Stacy and containers, they didn't hear anything. They said like they heard a few words, but Mookie and Alex are like, Great, cover's blown, abort, abort the plan. We have to do something else. We have to do we have to do this right now, blackmail right now. Yeah, because that, right
4: that, right
2: that was the whole thing. Was that when Mookie and Alex are like, okay, so we we know Yao Man has the idols. So how do we do this? How do we you know, cause he probably hasn't told everyone in his alliance. So now we have this powerful information that we can use to to to. You know, throw the game a kilter, which lol for that thought. But then they were like, So when do we do it? So then they came up with this whole thing of, Well, he always wears those pants to tribal council, so he must bring it. So we're going to, we're going to call him, we're going to put him on blast at tribal council, which, you know, trying to put people on blast at tribal council is not, I always feel, the strongest strategy. But this is what they were going with. But then they noticed that Cassandra and Stacey are right there. So then they're like, well, I guess we can't wait because they just hurt us we need we need to blow a, blow up a spot now we need to blow up a spot now <laughs> so they go tearing ass back to camp we, to we have to, we
3: have to run fast because we know Cassandra and Stacy are on our heels <laughs> yes and it's, most- right quick.
4: it's a great image just seeing the two girls kind of just lying in the brush there and, yeah and, and then and then as, as
2: as was alluded, you know then basically Stacy's like,
4: yeah, we heard them
2: talking, but we didn't really know what they were saying, and then
0: all of a sudden they ran to camp. <laughs> Well, you forgot the best part is that there's a confession where Mookie says, Alex and I together are brilliant. <laughs> yeah, there's that. too. Yeah, we're going to go out Scarface style. We're going to go out in a blaze of glory. Scarface, yes,
2: yeah, Scarface <laughs> style. That's great. So then, they, so then they run up to Yao Man, and I think this is like the coolest Yao Man's ever been in his life. Like, Yao Man's pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie, but I it. they just walk up to him. And they're like, we know you have the idol. We went through your stuff. And Yao Man's like, you what? And they're like, "We went through stuff. You have the idol. So, are you gonna tell everyone, or you want us to do it?" And Yemen's like, "Do what you have to do."
4: Yeah, perfect <laughs> response. Like, yeah. totally, just like put it all. They are thinking they were putting like all this on him. Like, what are you gonna do now? Watch
0: Man squirm, and he just put it all back on them. It was awesome. Now, is this where we'll
1: he also?
0: Is this? This is where he also says,
1: "I found the lemon tree."
0: I don't think it's gonna change much. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I want I want Yemen to like I want to see Yemen like in a, a police interrogation scene now in an action movie Because I feel like he'd be like smoking a cigarette with a leather jacket on just playing it cool
2: You think you're gonna get anything out of me? Kappa, but like yeah, yeah, they're like what do you get? What, do you want to tell them or should we and Yamen's like you do what you got to do and then he gets yeah. a confession He's like they're apparently gonna tell people but uh, I don't I, we're still gonna eliminate them And You're like oh boy well, Man's
3: able, able to benefit from this because he can he can sort of soften the news by saying, "Hey, rest of Alliance, I have an idol, but they Mookie and Alex found out because they went through my bag and then blackmailed me." And everyone is so offended by what Mookie yeah. and Alex did that it yes, totally this, mitigates the fact that Man hid this big secret from them for the past like fifteen days.
4: This is what I love the Stacy moment here. So you remember at the beginning of the episode, Stacy who was not even going to feed two humans on her beach. Lucky if they get fed. Yama comes back and reveals this to her, and she is so shocked that when everyone else comes back, she tells them, my heart is, like, hurting right now. Her Uh-oh. heart is hurting because they went through her bag, and they threatened Yao Man and Cassandra gets the most animated she's ever gotten in the whole game. and goes, <gasps> they
0: threatened you? <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's awesome. We got you, Yao Man. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. Well, all right then. <laughs> well, all right, yeah. you – you have
2: a you have a good day, and I will uh, con- uh, just be eliminated
0: then. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, face that style. Is the, yeah, that is the great irony of the scene is that if anything, it rallies everyone else around Yao Man. They went through your bag? And it's, like, it's just hilarious the way the whole thing plans out, uh, goes out, and then Alex and Mookie get, gain literally nothing out of it. Yeah, it makes things
2: actually worse for them, which is great. Yeah. It's 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 tough. I mean, it's tough because everyone else there was is it it six on two? Is that the the numbers at this point?
3: Yeah. Are you talking about Ponderosa?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Well done. But, you know, it's tough when you're in that situation because there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of ways you can go. But what I love is that they basically find out that Yao man has an idol and they're like, we have information, information that will swing us the game about somebody that has a tool that can just better eliminate us. And it's like, you know, not not only is it not the sup- most super helpful information that they need, they completely biff it. Like in every way you could possibly squander this possible opportunity that there is, they absolutely do so. So at that point you're like, well, GG guys, we're uh <laughs> we're going to we're going to go to your eventual uh uh, elimination here, but what a great little scene with them and, and with Yao Man and Yao Man just being super cool and everything. I would say,
3: don't worry guys, because I mean, these are these are physically strong, agile guys. I'm sure there's an immunity challenge coming up in this episode that totally puts their physical abilities to the test and they're absolutely going to crush it, right? Yeah, it's a battleship.
0: Battleship. <laughs> this is actually a cool challenge. I'd completely forgotten this challenge was in this season and I was watching it. I'm like, that's actually kind of a cool challenge. the way they set it up. I liked it.
2: Yeah, I mean I liked it because you you select basically it's like a battle squ- it's, like a ba- it's like a very mini battle uh, battleship grid where it was like letters A through E or F or something and then numbers 1 through 5 or 6, I forget the you know total things. But basically you had 3 squares and you could place them horizontally, uh, you know, uh, horizontally, vertically, diagonally. And it's like you had to remember where you placed yours, but it's like everyone else is using the same grid, so people's squares like one square you know, like in Battleship, you each have your own board and, you know, you, you your ships can only go on certain things. But like on this, since everyone is using, using the same grid, like people can have overlapping spaces. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and that comes into play because like if you try to bomb one spot on the grid, like, you know, C4 or something like that, then, you know, there could be three people having uh, part of their ship or you know just one of their three spaces on that tile and you could you know deliver a huge hit or you can get a miss or you can only hit one person and yeah so it's a big phys- as, as Mike said it's it's a it's a really grueling physically grueling test for Mookie and Alex to beat everyone in
3: yeah the most grueling physical stuff that happens this challenge is Jeff probes turning the gasket to <laughs> increase the flames that burn the signs on each square
2: which is funny because that's purely for TV because I love it because they they place their stuff on the, on the grid, you know, and then they're basically like behind the wall, right? And they're like looking at just a grid, like a little mini grid in front of them, and they're calling out numbers. And then Jeff is like turning the, you know, like the World War II gas canister that, you know, just gets the, the thing to go off. And it's like, it's all happening behind him, and they're not watching it. <laughs>
0: I do appreciate that the first shot dreams hits his own target. And then the next shot, Cassandra does the exact same thing.
3: Yeah. I think it's very, uh, very apt for the last episode. <laughs> it's, it's very symbolic.
2: Yeah. They just, they, they, they sabotage themselves.
4: Mm-hmm. I was most impressed by the graphics on the, on the yeah. challenge. If you watch just the bottom, like third of the screen, it's like just fun to watch the names, like move around and all that stuff. That was, yep. that was fun. It
2: was good. But, uh, Basically, just, wins. yeah, Stacy wins. It's, it's not I mean, it's not like we need to narrate it like it's like gripping tension, but it is a neat challenge, I thought. And
0: uh, in the end, Stacy wins. She had hopefully uh, that helped
4: cure her um, hurting heart.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if nothing else, it was a unique challenge. Yep. I appreciated
3: that. That's fantastic. So Stacey... and totally
0: fitting. Yeah, totally fitting in with the Fiji culture because they love the game battleship in Fiji. <laughs>
3: <laughs> they love their Parker brothers. Those. Fijians. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> yeah. Stacy wins. And Alex is like pretty sneaky
3: sis
0: i know wrong board
2: game close enough so so basically you know you're sitting here going like all right so stacy wins it's going to be mookie or alex and then so they're trying to talk about who to eliminate and of course boo's like well they may have found the idol that they don't have a clue to
3: so now we get uh, the first since plan Boodoo, the first real instance of a modern survivor trope of splitting the vote and this episode will show how splitting the vote well generally, a very sound strategy can very possibly go wrong if people are acting self-sufficiently.
0: It also makes for five great minutes of dead air on TV every episode. the vote splitting discussion. Yep, and that's sort
2: of what we got at the end here was we were trying to get all that sort of stuff, and you know Alex Amuki tried to you know rally against Yao man and you know rally against other people, and it was just it, it wasn't really
0: going very anywhere really, but mm-hmm. um You know, to Alex's credit, he's fighting. He's trying to go down, go down Scarface style. Well, yeah, he is not douchey at all when he
4: does it. That's what I love.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's that, but the they basically,
2: (laughs) basically tribal council. It goes. Is there anything noteworthy of tribal council here?
0: Yeah. So this is where uh, Mookie tells everyone that we found a uh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's good. Idol in Yao Man's bag, and Yao's like, yeah, that's true, but it won't change much. And Probes is like, wow, that's bold, (laughs) which is kind of funny.
2: Yeah, there's well, but I also like the whole where like Jeff sort of needles it like, because Mook is like, "We discovered a hidden immunity idol in Yao Man's bag," and just like, "You discovered a hidden immunity idol," <laughs> In yeah, well, we, it was there. <laughs> yeah, it's like how the uh the
0: English discovered North America. We, <laughs> it was
2: just there, we found it. It was just, and I love that whole like, you know, Jeff's basically like, "So you looked through someone else's bag, huh?" And then we got, again, another bad gate discussion. And then, uh, you know, Yao Man's just like, what is going on, guys? I don't know. And then he and then he has the whole, like, I don't think it's going to change much. And Jeff's, like, bold. And, I mean, at, the, at that point, Jeff's trying to stir shit up. But it's like, it's six on two, Jeff. It's 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 fine. Don't worry about it.
0: GG, Mookie. Yeah.
2: But, yeah, they go. And if you notice, Alex did vote against Mookie because Alex is, you know, preserving himself. Fine fine move. Mookie's, Mookie's gone.
3: Yeah, well, mm-hmm. so that's that's the thing, though, is that Alex is the initial target. Uh, I think as much as they talk about, like, well, Mookie doesn't really want to be here. Apparently, he Alex does more around camp. Earl says, no, we need to get rid of Alex because he's, he's a t- bigger threat going forward. But because of Boo's paranoia about the possible idol, they say, okay, let's split the vote 3-3. Three, three. Because Alex decided to not vote with Mookie and instead voted for Mookie, he ended up inadvertently saving himself and voting Mookie out. So Earl is actually... Uh, in a rare uh, moment of breaking his calm, he's pretty pissed the next episode because what he considers probably one of the biggest threats left in the game didn't leave because of their vote split plan.
4: Yep. Can I, uh, insert the, um, uh, early show coverage of, uh, a Mookie <laughs> on the early show. By yes. all means, Paul, these, are i mean this is the last stretch that we're ever going to have it by next season it's completely done away with so let me have my fun while while i have it so by this point like the early show and harry smith in particular i think uh, renee silo's been silo's been canned at this point so not yeah, sure she was giving else. away
3: spoilers to us
4: <laughs> exactly yeah she's uh she was let go at this point but it's so cleared out this is like such a thrown together segment that they do that harry smith like is not even watching show anymore, which he'll end up admitting by the end of the segment, because the introduction to Mookie, they show the clip of, of uh, Cassandra and Stacy overhearing him and Alex in the bushes, and so it opens up, and I wrote this down word for word because it was so awkward watching it. Harry Smith goes, oh, Mookie, welcome, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so last night, you're sitting in the driver's seat, you're athletic, you can manipulate people, and then you look over your shoulder, and what... And Mookie just, like, looked at him. Mookie just goes, surprise, surprise. Like, no idea what he's talking about. He's like, (laughs) and Harry Smith goes, man, they heard every word you said, huh? (laughs) And then then a minute later, Harry admits, now, now, uh, I haven't seen every minute of this season. So tell me, how many hidden immunity idols are out there? Yeah, that that was pretty much it.
3: I haven't seen so, every minute. Of the, I haven't seen every minute of this of this season. So tell me, oh, how's Rupert doing this season? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so Rupert lied about his dead grandma. What was that like? <laughs> that's funny.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs>
0: Here's my my moratorium to Mookie. At the finale, when Jeff is walking in with the votes, you know, they go to the do the votes and then Jeff walks into the live finale past the audience and everyone's cheering. The first thing they see during during, the first thing you see as an audience member is a big sign, someone holding up a sign in the audience that says, I love Mookie, which is the most random fucking thing to hold up at a Fiji finale. So that's like a euphemism. I love Mookie, yes. He did it all for the Mookie. I like it dirty. I like Mookie dirty.
3: So, I would say that Mookie actually, his edit surprised me a little bit on this rewatch, because I think in the history of Survivor, people just remember him as, like, one of the four horsemen, or Alex's number two. But, I mean, considering he was separated from Alex for so long, I mean, when he was on Ravu, he had a... kind of running things there, or at least he had his hands in a lot of different pots in terms of being an athletic member, so very valued, and also in control of a lot of the votes there. And, I mean, he definitely showed a little bit of strategic autonomy, especially, you know, in the round where Michelle went home and only five people went to Tribal Council. They almost sent Stacy home because Mookie voted against his alliance, and he was able to recover as a result. So it's interesting. I do wonder, you know, in the big what-ifs of Survivor, if the four horsemen were actually able to make their way to the end Mookie might have a very good chance of winning in a final vote because he could have that Rabu story, sort of like Earl had at the end, but uh, Muki is sort of an unspoken character in Fiji in the long run, but I think I think he made a pretty significant impact on the season overall. Yeah,
0: he wasn't a bad player. I mean, he just really had some bad luck and, and dreams. Dreams just fucks everybody up is basically what happens.
2: M- Mookie gets dreams a bit, but I agree with you, Mike, in the sense that Mookie, I think, he... He affected a, a a bunch of the game, but it, it was always very tangential to something else that was going on. Like you know, he did have some autonomy in places, and and some things did happen because you know Mookie wanted necessarily to happen. But ultimately, he gets you know he he falls in ultimately with the horsemen. I'm not saying that the horsemen were exactly like his entire downfall, but it's like he gets over the horsemen. You sort of get the feeling that then Alex and, and to a lesser extent Edgardo sort of trying to run that ship and Mookie was trying to remain autonomy there because he had the idol right and you know he's like yeah I guess it's all of ours but I technically have it and he did give it over ultimately in the in the infamous Edgardo boot but you know he tried to maintain a little bit of independence but at that point he sort of becomes tangential but you're right Mike like at the beginning you know pre-horseman or pre-solidified horseman you know he he did he did move around and have some things going on so so to just write off Mookie is just ah young guy horseman didn't didn't win you know i think that that's ultimately writing off a little too much about him
0: well let's point out he was the one that told dreams about the idol which they specifically said don't tell dreams we have the idol what (laughs) what no mookie doesn't make mistakes well again as harry smith said he was in the driver's seat until that overheard conversation (laughs) that's right Uh, until
4: that moment
0: until that moment. <laughs> <laughs> Just old drivey sitting here in the driver's seat. Then <laughs> he had to look over his shoulder. Hmm. And I do believe he is the only Asian guy in history named Mookie. So there you go. So a little trivia.
3: So if they said Mookie's name on the street, he'd have to turn around because he's pretty sure nobody <laughs> else is named Mookie. Well, see, that implies people are
0: saying Mookie's name on the street, which I don't think happens. Except for the one person in the audience who had the I love Mookie sign. Yeah. His stalker. All right, now we're going to go on to uh, episode 12. This is Alex's last stand. Well, thank goodness. Yeah, basically six to one against Alex. We start the episode with Earl being pissed off that they split the vote, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about that, whatever. But anyway, this is all about Alex. This is his one against six. Um, and he says, basically, I'm going to go into ninja mode this episode. He's just going to lay there and not say a word and just listen to what everyone else is doing. And hopefully he'll hear about a crack. Some He'll find a little fissure.
3: Yeah, but ninja mode is basically like uh, like if a bear attacks you mode because it basically involves him pretending to sleep and he happens to overhear Earl and Cassandra basically talking and them coming up with what they coined briefly as the core four, which is, okay, we're tight with the Man, you're tight with dreams, let's take out Boo and Stacy together. And Alex says, once again, he has very important information that he's going to try to use to his advantage to further himself in the game.
0: I would have preferred if Alex went into Beverly Hills Ninja mode, where he like runs through walls and shit like Chris Farley. That would have been Beverly Hills Ninja.
3: <laughs> I would have loved to if he went into Surf Ninja mode and used a video <laughs> game to defeat his enemies.
0: <laughs> All right. So yeah. So there's there's a lot going on in this episode that will pay off later. This is really where the end of the season starts, where the core four, like you said, is uh, Earl, Cassandra, Yao, and they want to bring in dreams. And Yao is very nervous about this. He goes, I don't want Dreams in this final four. And there's two ways to look at that. I know we talked earlier about there was an African-American alliance. I know that we kind of touched on that, right, in in part two. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is that he knows that Cassandra and Dreams are super tight. He doesn't want... Anybody super tight with Cassandra in the final four, so Yao is terrified right now. He can see the writing on the wall. This is the core four. We're gonna get to four, and I'm dead meat because Cassandra and Dreams will not turn on each other again. If there's this African American alliance, those three aren't gonna turn on each other. Yao knows full well this is bad news for him, and he wants Stacy in there instead. He does not he wants want
4: someone. In there. He wants someone worthless like Stacy. I like how he shakes his head and goes, "I hate it. I hate it. I wish it were Michelle." Like just talks about how horrible that would be to actually let Stacey in the top four.
2: I don't worry. Yeah, man, Michelle's doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Michelle, <laughs> giant
4: back of <hit> meat. <laughs> Hold on, before we get that one, there was one when uh when all this stuff is happening. Earl and Cassandra are talking about they don't really trust Boo, and I was writing down here. Cassandra goes, "Mm-hmm." oh, okay, and then mm-hmm, and I just had to start doing tally marks because I couldn't write mm-hmm enough times because then it went to three consecutive
0: mm-hmm. Well, she, have different, she has different variants of the mm-hmm. That one of them was the negative one and one was the positive. Mm-hmm. You can tell because the mm-hmm. inflection's a little different at the end.
4: This is very interesting from a, you know, a linguistical um, yeah, it,
0: standpoint. It takes a master of rhetoric like dreams to be able to interpret these, these linguistic changes. Right. All right, so yeah, so we are go to the reward challenge, which is the Dina Bennett Memorial rip hunks of pork off a giant hanging piece of meat, which is the one challenge my wife refuses to watch because it's so disgusting. She will never watch this dumb challenge.
3: This one, this one isn't too bad comparatively. I'd say between the three so far, which was Amazon, this, and South Pacific, this is probably the most tame. I mean, nobody's getting banged up. Nobody's... You know, Frenching each other, trying to get meat out of each other's mouths.
2: Yeah, because uh, it's all individual, you know? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So,
3: nobody's no, aside from like people holding the slabs of meat for each other, nobody's really assisting each other. It's all an individual effort, as you just said, Jay. Although,
0: again, it did make more sense in Amazon with the whole piranha theme, because that's kind of the point of the challenge. You're like little piranhas. So, it's like, Oh, this was cool in Amazon. Oh, we're doing this again in Fiji.
3: Okay. Well, it, it is a it is thing. a it is a cannibal theme. How are we to know that what that was a pig that was hanging on those skewers?
0: Yeah, maybe that's Papa Smurf.
3: <laughs>
0: no, he's getting ready for All
4: Stars Two.
3: <laughs> My body's ready for All Stars Two. It's hanging over there on that hook. Yeah. They also get kind of. <laughs> it's been tenderized. They, uh
4: they uh, also get kind of creative in this challenge and they do the same thing they did in Cook Islands where it was actually the top three finishers who get the reward um, and they, they give an advantage at the end of the challenge Mario do you like it when they give people an advantage in the next challenge
0: oh I love it Paul I,
4: was, <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I actually can't recall any of like you having an opinion on it but I just feel like maybe you have a strong opinion on this
0: I don't recall having an opinion on it okay. yeah no advantages are stupid yeah whatever but anyway, I will point out in this challenge, Boo. I mean, I, I got to give some credit to Boo. He has some interesting moments here where everyone else is pulling off meat. Boo pulls off like a huge bone at one point. He wins by two pounds, probably because he's the only one pulling bones off instead of the meat. Which... He was pulling off. No, he was he was tearing ACLs off of the thing.
3: <laughs> yes, he, I know exactly because where his they medical are. knowledge. Yeah, that's right.
0: He, he had the surgical skill to really just <laughs> eviscerate uh, Boogie, that. Boogie,
3: Boogie Heiser Hauser strikes again. Yeah,
0: with his teeth. He's the only one who operates with his teeth.
2: Dear Diary, today I eviscerated a pork slab with my teeth, dot, dot, dot. Is he he typing with his teeth as well? (laughs) Dot, dot, dot. He looks tight. He looks off pensively. And I enjoyed it.
3: Share breaks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm hungry for burgers. Fur burgers. I thought we were just doing Neil Patrick Harris quotes in general. And you went to Harold and Kumar first? I went to Harold and Kumar. That's correct. Wow! Of all the <laughs> Neil
3: Patrick Harris things, you can go to you go to Harold Kumar for.
0: That's what we do on this show. Just the, right. the most random movie quotes on Hanny Youngman Quentin. That
3: reference was legend. Wait
1: for it. I found a in the lemon tree. I found a in the lemon tree. I found a in the lemon tree.
3: Dairy. I'm assuming that uh, Tim put at least a thousand I found a lemon trees in there.
1: God damn it, Tim. I found a lemon tree. You I guys just do this, this
4: to make me confused and, and yeah. feel like I don't belong.
3: Paul's like,
2: what? what do you, you watch other things on the magical box where Survivor appears? Yeah, I
3: believe people, people, with, people with three names aren't allowed to be shown on Montana television.
0: <laughs> Theodore, what was his middle name? Kaczynski. That, that, maybe that's it. They usually go by the, th- the three names, the, the serial killers.
3: Oh yeah, John, John. no coverage of John Wayne Gacy on Montana Television.
0: <laughs> yeah, for those of you who missed our our long-running joke here, Paul does not watch TV or movies, so he has no idea who Neil Patrick Harris is, or Doogie Hauser or Harold and Kumar. Is this correct? What's a Kumar? Like a Kucha? Yeah, like they have an Indian guy in Montana. Oh boy, All right. so... <laughs> Alright, yeah, so we rip meat off the bone. Uh, Boo wins, Yao Man is second, Dreams is third, And uh, they send Earl to Exile Island. And we're going to have a a, uh, reward here where they go on a helicopter. They're going, going to go on this whitewater rafting tour. This is their reward and it's basically yeah, Boo, Yao Man, and Dreams on a helicopter, and they have a wonderful time on that helicopter ride. <laughs> they use such epic music for
4: it. It's like the music that they play when, I think it's when Jeff comes back uh, to read the votes in Marquesas, and he's coming back to New York City, and he gives this like epic look at the Statue of Liberty and stuff. I'm pretty sure that's the same um, music they're using here with this scene. Not so quite as epic. So,
3: so compare Jeff, Jeff saluting the Statue of Liberty to Boo bragging about spending 600 to $700 on a date. Yeah,
0: similar. America. (laughs) Yeah, so they all have a helicopter, and Boo just doesn't shut up the entire trip, and Yao Man and Dreams are trying to take it in. Yao Man, having never been in a helicopter before, Dreams, having never not slept in a dumpster before. And so they're trying to take in this moment, and and Boo is ruining it because he's talking. So it's, it's kind of the thing, like, man, Boo won't shut up.
3: I like the way Dreams describes the reward challenge as basically, basically describes every reward challenge as a field trip for grown people, which I think is just a great way to look at these individual reward challenge uh, <laughs> challenge prizes. Yes.
0: All right, so yeah, we get to whitewater rafting, and they all go down these uh, rapids in Fiji, and it looks like fun. And Dream says, "You know, this is great," and and Boo says, "What do you say? Like we're in a postcard right now, guys, or something like that." And then they get to the end of their whitewater raft and they get a little feast and they all get letters from home, which is, is kind of cool because Dreams doesn't have a home.
3: So where is his letter coming from? Is it coming from the shelter? Oh, my God. His letter is a foreclosure letter. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Hurd, just to let you know, your property has been foreclosed. <laughs> it's a squatter's warning. <laughs> it's, a credit, it's, it's, it's a credit card statement. That's what Dreams got.
0: <laughs> I think we just lost our chance of getting Dreams as an interview, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so we get their letters from home, and Dreams, I think, sister writes him, if I recall. And, uh, Yao Man's daughter, or is it son or daughter, I forget, but they- they
3: mentioned- I
1: found a lemon
0: tree. ...that they got a B in Spanish, and Yao Man's all pissed, which is a very Yao Man thing to do.
3: No, he got a B in algebra, and Yao Man was pissed. He said, why couldn't you have gotten a B in Spanish? Because he's pissed oh. that his- hit, the science gene does not carry over into his children, apparently.
0: Wow, Yao Man's kid got a B in math? That's a paddling. All right. Uh, so yeah, they all have their little thing with their their letters from home, and it's very nice. And then uh, we go back to camp, and everyone's boo bashing. We go, "Oh, Boo talks too much. I can't handle him anymore." And Alex, of course, since he's in ninja mode, is all too happy to join in because that's what ninjas do: is they jump on the weak person. So he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah I can't yeah, stand yeah. Boo." Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. So uh, everyone's kind of ticked about Boo. And this is, again, the editor is trying to misdirect you from the very obvious Alex Goes Home episode. And now we were going to the immunity challenge, which is the the one with the climbing steps, which is actually kind of a cool little challenge.
4: And there's the digging beforehand where Cassandra the Beast comes out again in her. (laughs) She used up all her energy in the last episode's uh, (laughs) reward challenge. I love Jeff's commentary of it. as They have to dig up these puzzle pieces in the first round in the top... Three finishers move on to round two, Boo's advantage being that he's already in the, the final three, the final round of the challenge. So there's really only spots for two. And Cassandra realizes she's not going to win this challenge. So she's just kind of sitting there and, you know, kind of playing with the sand a little bit. And uh, Jeff Probe's narration is that, uh, what does he call it? She's like a small rabbit.
3: G- dig- as- Cassandra digging like a small rabbit.
4: <laughs> as, as if it would be buried just two inches deep.
3: <laughs> I, but like, how, how does a big rabbit dig? And how does that differentiate it from <laughs> a small rabbit? I
4: don't know, but we, did, we also learned that Alex has a huge hole. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, Jeff is just kind of a dick the last couple episodes this season, even by Jeff Probe standards. And it will culminate in the final immunity challenge where he's just a total sadist.
4: I feel like this is an area where he's kind of like getting more like creative and like getting you know a little feistier and and then obviously with the Alex has a huge whole line getting kind of suggestive. So I think this is kind of a time of evolution for Dick Jeff Probst narrating a challenge. I want him to go to that hole,
3: dirty. So these are these. This is what this is a a multi-stage challenge in that the first three to dig up their bag or first two move on because Boo's advantage is that he automatically wins. He automatically guarantees himself a spot in the finals, which of of all the challenge advantages that they do over the years, this is probably the most egregious, in my opinion, is just the skip the first part of the challenge, uh, which is just not even an advantage as as much as just like, it's basically the immunity necklace in paper form. But it comes down to Alex and Boo and Dream. So ironically, it's like the three most important people this episode. And so as Mario alluded to, they have to basically swim out uh they have to basically climb uh a 12-foot pole using a couple of different climbing steps though alex decides to take a gambit and completely forgoes that and in the line of the brilliant ideas of alex and garita just decides to start humping it and straddling it and trying to climb it like a rope and of course it completely fails on him and boo ends up winning
0: yeah we had a parental advisory before this scene because alex is humping his pole (laughs) But yeah, it's actually a very exciting ending. Um, Alex tries to go past all the climbing steps. He gets to the top, and he almost wins. He almost, it almost works out for him. But then at the end, Boo comes out of nowhere and wins again. Again, with the torn ACL, he somehow climbs up this 12-foot pole, which is probably not easy to do, having not actually ever torn my ACL. I have to imagine that was very difficult. And no one has anything to say about that. Nope. Boo wins. <laughs> All right. Boo wins. So Alex is very vulnerable in an episode where it's six people against Alex. You can kind of guess what's going to happen here. Yeah. I mean, writing's on the wall. You guys make me go through my notes here. I have Alex scrambling. Who's Alex trying to get them to vote out? Is it, uh, yeah. Yao Man? I mean, yeah, it, it kind right.
4: of becomes this kind of big thing about, you know, pitching the fact that, you know, Yao it's this big threat. Maybe they should get rid of him. Um, and, yeah, and, and there's a part of dreams, you know, having a little bit of regret, saying Alex is my friend, maybe we should get Yao out. And um, my, one of my favorite things leading up to it is, uh, is there, or he's pitching this idea to, to Cassandra. She's like, okay, yeah, maybe, mm-hmm. And then Stacy's sitting there, and they kind of look over to her, and Stacy says, I'm down with that. Um, I'm a follower. I follow, I think she says I'm a freaking follower or something. I follow Cassandra. <laughs> That's good. Uh, talk about
3: the blind leading the blind.
4: <laughs> Seriously. Oh, Stacy. Stacy, Stacy, Stacy.
0: So, yeah. And so Dreams tells Alex, oh, yeah, it's going to be Yao Man tonight. And then basically the votes are all for Alex. So, Dreams, some, some more fantastic jury management on the way out. Another, another pro Dreams juror.
3: Yeah. And it's just a very indicative moment in this episode when Jeff says, "Okay, let's go down the line and I'll ask you who's concerned about being voted out tonight. And Alex is the only person to say he's concerned. And that's basically you could take that one minute and skip the other 41 because that's this entire episode, basically.
0: (laughs) Although we can't gloss over Alex's final words where he tells kids to never stop dreaming, because when I think of Alex, that's what I think is inspirational to children. Yeah, he says, don't give up
4: your dreams.
0: Oh, so it could have been a double entendre, meaning dreams the eponymous player. Exactly. So do we have any good early show moments with Alex, Paul?
4: I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I could have looked up Alex in the early show on the Fiji DVD I own. I was watching this um, through uh, Hulu, and so I'd have to pull up the clip on YouTube, and I Google searched it like twice, and it didn't come up. So I just kind of said, I don't really care. I mean, that wow. was kind of my Scarface style—bam, bam, bam. Like, not even gonna look at your early show clip.
0: Do you know Scarface is a movie?
4: Oh, it is. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's just some guy named Scarface. You thought? Exactly, but I—I I just, I, even though I don't know what Scarface <laughs> is, I'm just trying to, you know, be Scarface ninja, whatever.
2: <laughs> so we need to—we need to eulogize Alex real quick before we can get into uh more stop this. talking
0: stop talking jay should i say it in spanish stop talking
2: <laughs> wow i'll translate well well look that's that's fantastic that whole thing i can't wait for that um i just remember one of the things i remember because i have not rewatched fiji in a long time before uh, doing so here for historians and my whole thing was i just remember alex being just absolutely insufferable and as i said earlier he, he's definitely not that way in the first couple, uh, you know, in the first half of this season. And with the four horsemen, yeah, he gets smug. I'm not going to say that he doesn't get, you know, sort of full of himself and smug. I'm not going to say that, but ultimately not as egregious as I remembered him to be, even, even going all through the end. I'm not saying that, you know, he's a complete saint, you know, uh, as far as all that goes, but, you know, he just he was a guy. He he got himself an alliance. He got himself a little momentum, and then they got dreams. <laughs> Gg,
0: Alex. <laughs> yeah, you know, for a minor villain, he he did this. He did his part. He was memorable. He had some good scenes. Like he wasn't one of the major characters of the season, but he did what he was there to do. So, you know, as minor villains go, there's far worse ones than him. He he did a pretty good job. I appreciated him in the season.
3: Yeah, I think I think the problem is just usually with these characters, we usually only remember the last two or three things we see on them in the season, and. As you alluded to a couple minutes ago, he's going to have a really, really ugly way of leaving an impact on this season coming up in a couple episodes, which is unfortunate because, yeah, he did have a really interesting journey over the course of his 12 episodes otherwise.
0: Yeah. You know, he fought all the way to the end. He was I don't think he really lied to people. He was logical for the most part. Every time he was talking to people, I don't never got the sense he was flat out like lying to anyone. So, yeah, he's definitely not as bad as his reputation suggests. And of course, I will fully take the hit for some of the stuff I wrote about him on the Funny One Fifteen. 15, saying just call him douche, which is about as blunt as it gets, but he wasn't that bad. I won't say he was exciting enough for Paul to look him up on the early show, but he was still, he was a memorable character. I think Alex, he brought something valuable to the season, and that's really all you can ask from anybody. Okay, can we talk about the car episode now? Oh, yeah, there's the car thing. Are we there yet? We're there. Yes, we are. We're totally
2: there. <laughs> all
0: right. Well, so- there, yeah, there's two historic things in this episode. The... The first successful idol play and the car tricker. So there's this is a big one.
2: Ah, also the first pre-Spy Shack. Thank you very much. Yes.
0: Oh, yes. Funny one
2: fifteen. Shout out.
0: I love one of my very favorite entries. And we start the episode with this where Boo, in his infinite wisdom, there's six people left in the game, and Boo has decided that these people are going to talk about him and they're going to go to the watering hole to talk about him behind his back. So he spends the whole day building this little secret path so he can sneak up to the watering hole, and he can hear when people are talking about him behind his back, and this is Boo's master plan, and he tells us, he's like, sneaky is fun, and he gives us a double thumbs up, and meanwhile, the great irony of this scene, it just killed me the the first time I watched this when I was doing my funny 115 research, like, as Boo is designing this path so he can overhear people talking about him, what's going on is they are all back at camp talking about him while he's building his path, which is, (laughs) I just love the humor of that, and the editors had fun with it, and it's just... Just a fun little Boo moment that makes Fiji more fun than it should be.
2: It's the dual dual payoff. It's the dual payoff of he's out creating this thing so that he could overhear people talking about him. And they're literally talking about him back at camp. But then the fact that, you know, there is no other scene in the future where, like, you know, at least like with, with other hideouts that people have made, like when Sandra's eavesdropping or, you know, Tony is, you know, peering out. Like, at least you see them, you know, eavesdropping, right? Whereas Boo's like, I'm creating this whole eavesdropping network. And that's it. That's that's a really all we get.
3: And the that's perfect it. capper on this scene is it cuts back to Boo saying, "If my name comes up on the chopping block, I'll know." It's just like the ed- you could t- like you said, Mario. The editors could you could tell they were having a lot of fun with this, considering that they they picked that. And then I believe that was the the pre credits scene as well. So yes. it's just the best thing to hear right before that theme song jumps in. This yes.
2: is this is a solid episode all the way through. I have to tell you. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Although I will say right here is that we lead up into Yao's decision here is right before we go to the challenge Yao again is worrying how he's going to get past the final four because he sees where it's going that you know the three african-americans cassandra and dreams real tight and then him he's like i'm dead meat when we get to the final four how am i going to get past that bump bump on we go right into the reward challenge here so it's a good setup again this whole dreams car curse if you watch for it they spell it out they spell it out very early in the season and it just follows a very logical pattern. It's a very good narrative. It has a setup, a middle, and an ending. And it all works out exactly like it should right. have. It's and really even,
2: interesting. And just even pre-Car they talk about, like, hey, is there going to be a car reward? And Dreams is like, I need that car. I need that car so badly. So mm. like, even going into the car challenge, you've already got you know Yao talking about, how am I going to deal with the Final Four? And you have Dreams saying, God, I need a car.
0: Yep. And see, well, that's the thing. When I first watched Fiji many years ago, I remember the car thing just coming up randomly at the end. Like, why does why does dreams, why is he make why is a uh, Yao making this deal for the final four? That's like three episodes away. I just thought it was weird. It kind of came out of nowhere. It wasn't until I came back and watched the season the second time I realized how well they set that up. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things. I don't know if people really appreciate how deep this storyline is.
3: It's it's a little weird to me, and this sort of reflects on Yaman a couple episodes ago saying. You know, I I don't think I have to worry about playing my idol for a couple of rounds now. It's interesting how very open and visible Yao Man is about his gameplay. He seems very open about the fact that there is a clear pecking order and we will run by the pecking order. And for the most part, they do. And on paper, by survivor strategy standards, that's that's a no-no. You know, the mark, the row two four are a textbook example of that. You usually don't want to show what the pecking order is because people have a chance of turning on you. But for some reason, because of circumstances, young man's able to get by in spite of outlining the enti- his entire game plan for the next couple of rounds. So re-watching this especially, uh, I agree when... I first watched it at the time at the final six. I'm like, oh, I'm confused as to why he made this deal a couple rounds from now. Because as they su- as they do in the next couple of episodes, they'll try to utilize that loophole to get uh, Yao Man out without Dreams having to betray him and-, and renege on their deal. But at the same time, he was very clearly open about this is who the final four is. Let me ensure my safety later on, but let me do it with five other people in the room with me as I talk it out.
2: Yeah, this is going to be a very interesting sort of thing, Mike. And I want to talk about this once we get this uh, car challenge done. But this is you're right. Like Yao Man, he sees a pecking order. And instead of doing what a lot of people would do, which is trying to restructure an alliance to which they're more favorable, he basically tries to figure out a way to just preserve himself later on which then leaves him more exposed earlier like it's just this weird sort of seesaw act that yao man tries to ride that ultimately isn't very successful uh well so much but you know some some breaks happen and, and things like that we need to get there but uh let's get to the
0: reward challenge speaking seesaw <laughs> i was gonna say let me let me say one thing that dreams lays out a sentence here that is very important and i want we're going to talk about this in depth later that basically you know he's never had a car in his life he's like i've never even had a license he's like keep kids with my background like why would we ever have a car we grew up homeless we've had nothing why would i even bother getting a license because it was never even an option that i would have a car like a normal person so it's like like he's his whole mindset, the way he approaches life and the way he approaches material things in general is different. And this will come in very big later to the point that Jeff Probes has even written articles about this before how he's actually changed his mind on the whole dreams thing once he realized What dreams life was like and how that affects the way you think of the world So it's just a very telling quote yeah. that he says I never even bothered to get a license because I was never gonna have a car Yeah, why, why,
2: Why have a license when you can't drive like it's just a waste and it's like I mean, that's that. That's from someone from James's situation. It's you do what you need to do to survive. If you if something if you could do something and it's not needed, then you don't do it, right? Yeah. So, that that's how it goes. But we get to all the right. challenge. There's all this stuff there, and then Jeff, of course, we get we get the. Uh, we have
0: the whole curtain reveal of the truck. <laughs> I, I love that they have to reveal it as as if it's a big surprise, even though people are openly saying, "Oh, this is the car challenge." Before they get did, there. they get a key in the tree mail or something. Yeah, something maybe like
4: not. That. I no, the,
3: the, I think the tree mail talked about like it being like built tough, and so everyone just assumes uh, okay. that with the with the product placement by Racist that it it must be a car. <laughs> now,
2: <laughs> now, now, Mario, I know you've got some stuff later on from uh, from from our our insider uh, R- Renee Seiler. Uh-huh. Um, But, but we, you know, this is, I have to say, you know, we've, we've made some fun about the cars and Survivor in the past, you know, the Pontiac Aztec. It's like half tent and, you know, you get like these sort of cars, but like, this is a Ford F-350. Like, that's a legit truck right
3: there. It's a Super Duty, the only car designed by Bruce Kanagai. (laughs)
2: That's fantastic! Like they they revealed that truck, and everyone's just like, "Oh shit, Ford 350! Wow! I mean, that thing—it's like legit six miles to the gallon. Like this thing is, you know, for real." And you know, then Jeff's like, "Yeah, you know, you're gonna do a challenge, and you're gonna, you know, winner gets the truck, and you're gonna take the truck, and you're gonna deliver like a whole school and school supplies to a school with people." Yeah,
0: Sure would be awesome if Stacy got to go.
2: Yeah. <laughs> So basically then they have to, um, they for the card challenge, they split them up into teams at the beginning. So like two teams of three and they need to like uh, navigate some balance beams and then they need to go through one of those like, um, you know, crawl space, you know, mesh mazes sort of thing. And then they have to, af- after they get through that maze, they have to then dig in, in, a, in a sand pit for a hatchet, undo the hatchet, and then, you know, chop a rope basically. And... Uh, you know the the team the team that comes out, of course, is it's um, what, it's, Boo Dream... Yao Man and Stacy. Uh, no, it's it's uh, yeah, it's Boo Yao Man and Stacy, right? And yes. they 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 come out on top, and they were they were from behind, and basically it just came to the digging part, and basically Boo, you know, they talk about how like Dreams was like frantically digging at different spots, and Boo just you know I guess deg- dug in one spot, but I mean it's digging, right? It's sort of random. Like if you get in the right spot, great, and Boo got in the right spot, found the hatchet, chops the rope. So basically Boo and Yaman and Stacy got to go in the final challenge, which I thought was an odd sort of final challenge for a car thing. It was just basically you had to throw a hatchet and cut two ropes with a hatchet.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's I feel like that, that other team of uh, Earl and Dreams and Cassandra had their fate spell for them because, as we know, Cassandra digs like a small rabbit, so they were screwed <laughs> in that portion <laughs> of the challenge.
4: That's true. Well, remember they did that weird thing in uh, Exile Island too at the car challenge. Yeah. That those three just—it was a slingshot challenge for the car. Yeah. Like, weird. Yeah. So, so they go and basically, uh, you know, Boo Boo gets
2: one right away. Stacy can't even hit the board. Yaman gets one, and then you know, Boo comes close, but Yaman cuts the second rope, which like does this like Rube Goldbergian like <laughs> yeah. launch from like a
0: little <laughs> catapult of the keys. <laughs> okay <laughs> that's how they that's how they hand out car keys in fiji it's a very traditional custom
3: <laughs> It's a traditional custom. and then i love how yao man like almost falls over the table that had the axes on them trying to grab the keys yep
0: he hits boo and boo tears his other acl <laughs> so yeah so yao man wins the car yao man wins a 2008 ford f350 truck which is exactly the kind of car i picture yao man driving around berkeley <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: i'm sure that'll go over real well but <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good point so then basically jeff's like all right yao man you win the car choose your people to go on the reward and then yao man's like hold on jeff i want to i want to i want to make a deal i want to see if i can make a deal
0: yeah and probes probes is quite amused by this you want to negotiate the car all right go ahead so this is where yeah, yao man pulls out his big master plan he goes uh, i found the lemon yesterday. dreams how bad do you want this car you know I want it bad, Yo Man. You know I want that car bad. We just, we just talked about this, and then Yao Man's like, "I'll give you the car if at final four, if we're both here, if you win immunity, you give it to me." And again, this is the plan Yao Man's been working out in his head how he's going to get around that final four, and he has he's finally figured out he's going to negotiate the car and he's going to use the homeless kids' desire to have a car against him. And this is where it gets real
2: sticky. It gets sticky, but you know, basically Jeff Probst is like. So, you want to give Dreams the car, and you're just basically saying that Dreams is going to give you immunity if he wins it at four? And Yaman's like, Yes. And Jeff's like, Now you can't, we, we can't enforce this. Mm-hmm. I mean, you give him the car, you give him the car. But I mean, everything after that is everything. And, you know, Dreams is like, Yeah, man, whatever. I I, I got you, man. I got you. You know, and, swear to God. Swear, swear to God, God, I will. Swear to God, I will. You know, and, and Yaman's like, That's fine. And I mean, Jeff's like, If he, he, he doesn't have to give you immunity now. You know, he doesn't have to. And yeah, I was like, I understand.
3: I, I like how I like how Jeff is basically saying that to like wipe CBS of all liability in a post stacy <laughs> Stillman area era. He's like, I don't want anybody to sue us that dreams broke his deal. You know? Yeah,
0: that's funny. Yeah, it, I, it is funny. I did notice that as well. He immediately goes into cover our ass mode like, all right, let's legal loophole this. That's not enforceable. Right.
2: But on the other hand, you know, yes, there's legality to it. But I think Jeff is also not just amused, but he's just basically saying, like, there's no guarantee here. Yao man. Like this is, you know, this is not like a a, a tit for tat kind of favor. Right. Like you're literally giving dreams all of the power in this situation because you are going to literally turn over the car keys right now. And then, you know, he then gets to decide not under CBS rules whether or not he's going to give you immunity if he wins immunity.
0: Plus it's, yeah, it's such an oddly specific term too. Like two episodes from now, when neither one of us might not even be there, in a random chance, you have 25% chance that you win that immunity. Like it's just such an oddly specific deal he's making.
3: Yeah, it's I would say when I first saw this, I'm like, wow, Amen is Yaman I is like oddly clairvoyant here, where he exactly predicts not only who will be in the final four, but who will win immunity at the final four. But I guess if you're looking at things, and again, if Yao Man's very open about his plans that he's getting rid of Boo and Stacy next, and it's the four of them, Dreams is probably the odd-on favorite right. to win the challenge. Uh, so he probably just is—he's going in, in there with a lot of assumptions that he's operating under, and so he's he's willing and dealing with those assumptions in play, which turn out to be correct after all.
2: Right, because when you look at when when you look at the people left, like Yao Man is assuming that Boo and Stacy are going to get voted out because the core four looks like it's going to be Yao Man, Earl. Cassandra and dreams right so
4: Stacy's the immunity beast so you got to get her out well Stacy's conquered St- battleship
2: Stacy's <laughs> got the battleship immunity and booze won some immunities but assuming that you're gonna vote the two of them out at some point the people that have won immunity like obviously Cassandra's not winning immunity and Earl for all of Earl's prowess and you know all that sort of stuff Earl's not an immunity beast either right so yeah basically like the two people that have won a bunch of immunities or are capable of winning immunities or challenges of those four is myself and dreams so, you know, he, I, I think he plays the odds actually rather
0: well here. One thing I always wondered, if if this deal never came into play, let's say Yao Man got voted out, or let's say if they get to the final four in wins immunity, do they even talk about this in the episodes? Do they make a big deal about it? I mean, I guess they have to because all of a sudden Yao Man sends himself to exile, so you kind of have to explain it. But the producers got really lucky this played out.
2: Yeah, you know, thinking about that, the fact that you know, the fact that Dreams does win immunity at Final Four, I think, you know, completely pays us out. But you're right. It's not even, it's not, not even, you know, if Yao Man wins immunity at four, then, you know, thank you for the card, Dreams. I'm voting you out. I'm going to win a million dollars. But you're right. Like, if Earl wins immunity at four, like, it becomes really sticky at that point because I think, you know, they might vote Yao Man out of four anyway because of, of such a threat he is. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, he didn't make the deal with Earl. He made the deal with Dreams, right? So. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, sometimes stories have a payoff, and again, this is something I like harping on just if you watch this from a production point of view, an editor's point of view. Sometimes stories have a payoff. This is a fantastic example. It just works out exactly like it should to make TV more interesting. And then sometimes stories don't have a payoff, like Boo is going to injure himself right out, of, right out of this game. Like, there's no payoff for that. He doesn't injure himself right out of the game. So it's just interesting. Some stories work out and some don't. And this one is just a fantastic payoff which is funny because in our inside information we got about the season Probst hated the way this played out it kills the season for him which is fu- it's kind of odd that he thinks that way because to me it worked out perfectly they got the narrative that's the most gripping i mean if you didn't have that the end of the season is much different but it's just we'll talk about that when we get to the inside stuff at the end well that's
2: yeah i mean yeah i'll save it for then We'll 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 keep going but so basically, this is the this is the infamous car deal. The thought that I the, the one that I had heard was going to be with Anthony, who is by long gone. You know, old 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 watchy. <laughs> yeah.
3: Old city is sitting in Ponderosa.
2: <laughs> old, old Ponderosi. Actually, they're on vacation at that point, right? So old vacation he is
0: out. Yeah. you Yeah. Know.
4: Old Black Cinderella. <laughs> That's what he so, called himself, right?
0: You're just being racist, Paul. His
4: his words.
0: Yeah. Says the Montana guy.
4: Um, so, Do you want to guess what kind of body wash I have in my shower?
0: Olay ribbons. <laughs> okay. I'm just troubled that you have body wash in your shower, ball.
4: Okay, let's keep this moving.
2: So <laughs> so this is the infamous car deal. So Yao Man wins the car, but then Yao Man negotiates with Dreams, and he basically says, Dreams, it's your truck. If, if, if at the final four you win the immunity, you give it to me, and Dreams swears and says, yes, I will do it. So Dreams takes Yao's place uh, in the winner's circle. So basically it's going to be Dreams and Boo and Stacy that are going to deliver the school supplies. And then basically Yao's before the decision, they say, who are you going to send to Exile Island? And Yao sends himself.
0: Let's point out what an underrated strategic move that is because Yao has to get to the final four for this deal to be in effect. He already has one idol, he wants to give himself that second idol so we can get past final six and final five. This is a very underrated move, I think, in Yao's terms.
2: Yep. You know, so so you know, and also you know, it, it Curry's favor with Cassandra because you don't want to send her. And I mean, you know, I think Yao Man and Earl are pretty tight at this point. But I think that you know, Yao Man just like, all right, Earl, you've been, I'll, I'll I'll spell you. You, you need a break sort of thing and then then obviously they're sharing uh idle clues because that's what they were doing but uh
4: and it's also the first time in survivor history ha! someone has given up a truck and then sent himself to exile island in Here's all three seasons
3: for... <laughs> of exile island This is the first time somebody sent themselves the very, there can
4: you believe that i i still can't believe that was the first time
2: it's such a shocker it hasn't happened again seeing as we've never had a car <laughs> challenge really ever again uh but uh yes yeah, so so then we get to the reward which i find funny because remember the whole fact that dreams doesn't have a license we don't yeah, get he the whole, we don't we don't get well we don't get the whole jeff Probst <laughs> like give me your case baby get over here and get in your car you know and it's like you know if you notice like i mean if you notice like okay dreams is in the car but if you notice sort of that last stretch when they're pulling into the school with the trailer with the school supplies you know who's driving cassandra it's boo
0: boo Yeah, I was going to say that's part of the reward is you drive this car to the school, but like, Dreams (laughs) doesn't have a license. Is that a good idea?
3: Well, I actually heard behind the scenes that this was actually the second truck that they used because Dreams drove the first one and drove it right into a river. Uh, Okay. (laughs) So,
2: So, and then the other thing that I find funny is they, they pull up, right? You know, you can hear, you know, they're like, I can't wait to see the look on these kids' faces when we come with this, you know, gigantic trailer and the school supplies. And it's like, you know, Boo pulls in with the with the with the thing. I I swear it's Boo behind the wheel. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I think that's what I saw. But like, then they honk the horn and the kids come running out with propes. like propes
0: is hanging in the yeah. school, right? <laughs> and they're all they're all wearing the exact same shirt. They all come running out. <laughs> yes, school yes,
3: yes. yes like little, we it. finally found the child labor factory where they make wrote, all of Jeff's wardrobe.
4: <laughs> <laughs> that wrote down. They're all totally in Jeff Propes uniform. Child labor. Blue factory. shirts, khaki <laughs> bottoms.
2: It's like I wonder, if like you know, did they just did they just get recess from like Alpha Male One Hundred and One? Like you know, what what are the classes at Jeff Probe School?
0: <laughs> that factory joke's still killing me. Yeah, it's good. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so. I, I, still
3: love, I still love that they pull up in the pouring rain, and you can tell these kids are like, "Do do we have to run outside? It's like pouring down." <laughs> okay, fine. Yay, toys! Hooray! Uh, can we go inside now? A tennis Yay. racket.
2: I'd love to play this on a dry day. <laughs> Boo's here yay it's like the ice cream man so then they give the kids the school supplies and what, what's fun is that they always talk about school supplies but then they see like you see like boxes with like board games and I you know when I think school supplies I think like pencils and notebooks but it's like you just see them with like a basketball and like a you know tennis racket and stuff like that but then they then they pull back and show that the teachers get like you know a copy machine which I'm like yeah that's really cool to plug in
0: Oh, it's a very nice moment. It's not quite the same as delivering aid supplies to the hospital in Africa, but it's no, still no nice. it's
3: exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice aid moment. supplies. Though. Here's a copy
0: machine in the back of a truck. <laughs> yeah, here's a badminton racket. Oh, we're not going to give you a net though, but enjoy. <laughs>
2: enjoy. Make your own net. There's palm fronds and stuff. But like, you know, it's a nice moment. They, they, you know, the teachers get some stuff too, and they get all that. But I mean,
0: you know, the car. <laughs> Dreams. Yeah. All right. And Stacy's there too, you know, inspiring the kids. Inspiring the kids. <laughs> These kids will be lucky to get milk for lunch.
3: <laughs> now, kids, do you know how to use a French press? Because I'm not gonna teach you.
0: Also,
2: I love I also love I also love the conversations that Dreams has with the kids when they're eating lunch. Like, you know, first of all, he's like, I'm from uh, I'm from America, USA.
0: <laughs> it's very cold there. And then he's just like, you know, he's like, have you ever been there? <laughs> Yeah, the kids been there. Yeah, twice last year. Yeah, man, I go all the time.
3: I I I summer there.
0: (laughs) I I have a
2: house in the Hamptons. So like, this is like, you ever been there? It's my first time here, which is a very cute thing to say. And then he's like, and he's like, I like it. It's warm here. I mean, it's cold in America. You've been to America? It's cold there. And I'm like, well, not everywhere. Dreams. Only
0: when you're homeless. (laughs) Oh my god, that's not right. Oh, that scene was fun. Yeah. I mean it is a very touching scene. Dreams it's talking nice. to these kids. And again, people forget that Dreams whole thing is to inspire kids and to teach them to follow their dreams. So Dreams is very good with kids, but he's, because he's we're really, jackasses, because we're jackasses, we're gonna make jokes about of it. Of
2: course we're gonna make jokes about it. But he also has a really nice thing in the end where he talks about how the truck is a step up in life for him and getting the school supplies is a step up for these kids, you know, and it's just like that's so that's so great, you know? Like, you know, you could just see him taking in this moment and really appreciating it which is you know which is what you want to see in on a television show right like i'm watching the scene and even though i'm coming up with funny jokes to be like lol dreams is saying you know all of america is cold but it's like the sentiment behind the scene is actually really really nice
0: now what is boo saying to inspire the kids is he plugging his bar like hey come to my bar kids russell Hans is there Hey kids, do you know what an ACL is? Cause I have torn one. Now,
3: now I'm gonna I'm gonna clear out an area in the back of the classroom in case uh, Stacy and Dream start talking about me. So don't don't mind me.
5: <laughs>
0: uh, the only thing that would have been better is if Rocky had gone to the school. I would have liked to see Rocky talk to the little kids and inspire or them. Lacey.
3: <laughs> no, no, no she I looked
4: out I mean, her uh, her tidy whities uh, checklist.
3: I'd have liked to see Rocky go, just so the kids get like, "Oh, our stomachs are upset from lunch," and then Rocky proceeds to make fun of them about it.
0: <laughs> I think Leesy and little brown kids would have been a good combination.
5: God,
0: wow. All right, so yeah, so we got the reward. <laughs> they uh, they go back, and then uh, we cut back to Dream. So the rewards all over. Yao tells us in a confessional, "I was surprised that Dream said yes to that deal, to be honest." And then, and then Dreams. So tells us, well, I have this deal now with Yao where I have to give him immunity at the final four, so the goal is to vote out Yao before the final four. So Yao now has a huge target on his back.
2: Which is which is the fun, like, thing, and I think Yao sort of thought of that, right? But, I mean, he, I think he's thinking that his alliance is stronger than that, but I, I, I think Yao did take that into effect, where, like, he's like, hey, if we're both here at four, you have to give me immunity, and it's like, okay, if we're both here at four which then basically puts almost a timer on. Like, if I can get Yao out, then I get a truck, and I don't get any sort of guilt when I vote you out at four.
0: Which It's like Dreams is obligated to go wink-wink every time he says, if you're still here at four.
3: But at the same time, I feel like that gives incentives for everyone else to keep him around, because you say, okay, if I'm in the final four... And Dreams, just you know, no no matter what happens with this deal, Yao Man and Dreams are going to target each other. So I'm safe either way, and I'm guaranteed final three. So let's bring Yao Man to the final four. Yeah.
0: And Dreams is going to be very inconsistent later down the road if he was ever planning on keeping this deal. But he flat out says it many times here, and here's one confessional where he says, I'm not going to break the deal. He goes... I don't want my son not to be a man of his word. I want him to see my see his dad keep his word. It's very important. My son sees this. I'm going to live up yeah, to the deal. So j- again, yeah, Dream's going to change his story later, but he's very insistent he's going to keep the deal here.
2: He's very insistent he's going to keep the deal. It's important to note for later because of the the reneging that's going to happen. But yes, you know, we, you're you're right in the sense that you know that's why this whole thing is so complicated because you know. On the one hand, you want to keep Yao Man because they literally are going to target each other at the Final Four. But on the other hand, you know, if you're Stacy and you're sort of on the out looking in, like this is a chance to try to you know get things going, right? But the problem is, is that you know numbers are so lopsided at this point. You know, it it would almost be more interesting with more people involved, but you probably don't make the deal when there's like nine or ten people left, right? So it's yeah. kind of this sort of special situation. One way. Uh, for the other but you know we're gonna we're gonna get back to this deal right away or or in a little bit but we we've got a little bit of ground we gotta vote stacy out so let's get there
0: yeah this is where we go to the immunity challenge where they have to throw a ball through a hoop and pull down a balance beam and it's not one of the more interesting challenges other than i think cassandra basically eliminating herself by falling in the water right and then she's gone very rabbits
3: can't swim okay (laughs) she basically she throws because it's basically an advanced version of like that ball in a cup game where you have a a ball on on a rope and you have to throw it through a hoop and pull down a balance beam but cassandra on her like second throw throws the rope and the ball into the water completely loses it so she has to go swim out there actually is a really cute moment in here that i missed the first time where uh the final so the first two eliminated are cassandra and stacy and then uh then Dreams and Earl are eliminated in the second round. There's this really nice, like, two-second scene where Earl pushes Dreams into the water and then sort of, like, grins sheepishly like he did during the Four Horsemen Tribal Council. It's just, like, a, a nice little, like, sneaky, cute moment between the two.
0: Yeah, that's a, a funny 115 oversight. That's something I should have used. It's, again, for people who haven't seen it, it's just a, after a round is over, Dreams and Earl are eliminated, and they just kind of cut to a shot to the two of them standing there, and just just because he wants to do something funny, Earl just shoves Dreams into the water and laughs. It's just, just a cute little moment.
2: But then Yaman and Boo are in the final round and basically Boo wins by a ton and Yowman doesn't do anything. So yep.
0: Boo wins. Boop Boo, Boo pulls he throws his ACL up there and
2: pulls down the rope with his ACL. Which you can see uh, on their faces. Like this is a, a slight kink in the plans because I think they wanted to, you know, obviously they as as mentioned at the beginning of the episode, they wanted to vote Boo out because okay, they they were talking about the core four, which ultimately becomes Yowman Earl Cassandra and Dreams. But if you remember as we talked about, Stacy was the other name being thrown around, and Boo was not the name being thrown around. So I guess if you have a, a loose five, Stacy's the fifth, right? So, like, they, they, they wanted to vote out Boo, but Boo wins immunity here. So they're like, well, plan B.
0: Yep, and plan B is all of a sudden going to be Yao Man. Yeah, Yao Man. Yeah, well, so basically two things are going to happen concurrently here, that Yao Man knows he's in danger. He knows with this deal with Dreams, Dreams is going to come gun in for him, so he needs this idol, So he gives clues that he got an exile onto Earl, Earl goes and finds the second idol. So all of a sudden, Yao and Earl have two idols. If they use them correctly, they can both get to the final four now. And concurrently, behind the scenes, Dreams is trying to turn all the votes against Yao tonight. He's like, Yao has an idol. He's very dangerous. Why don't we just all gang up and blindside him tonight and get him out of the game? Because he's going to beat us all in the final two, which is probably true. From Dreams' point of view, this is actually a very good strategy.
3: Yeah, and Cassandra's really the big hinge in this plan, because she has a relationship with Earl as well, and she's really concerned about, you know, not only do I eliminate Yao Man, but I'm burning a bridge with someone who's still in the game. And Stacey, for her part, actually does a pretty good job of putting up a convincing performance of going to Earl before and saying, like, I know it's me, we've had a great time, thank you. Of course, she's she's going to completely undo her performance in about five minutes, but... For now, it seems like Earl and Yao Min are completely snowed over on the fact that Stacy's going home, or so they believe.
0: Yeah, it looks like it's going to work out, and all the way up to tribal council, it looks like Yao thinks he's safe. Yao thinks he's safe, and then they have a good moment. This is one of those good, you know, just good storytelling that made the episode better. That right before tribal council, Yao comes up to Earl and says,
1: "I found the lemon tree."
0: I have bad vibes, and he gets this really kind of nervous look on his face, and they just kind of zoom in on it, and then we go right to tribal council. And I like the way they told the story in this episode.
2: Yeah. And you could tell like Earl, because as Mike said, you know, Cassandra really sort of is, is a linchpin here because Dreams is trying to rally the vote against uh, against Yao Man. Right. And it's not hard to pull Stacy in because Stacy's the other vote on the chopping block. So Stacy is wanting to vote against Yao Man. And so you're trying, you know, Boo is also, you know, just. Well, he's Boo, so, you know, they they pull him in mid... You know, Dreams is like, hey, Cassandra, we need to do this, right? And Cassandra is tight with Dreams, but she's also tight with Earl. And so she's sort of on the fence for both things. But they basically go with it. And as you see the votes go, I mean, Yaman becomes that turn vote. But, you know, I think that, you know, Earl was talking with Cassandra and was, you know, sort of convinced by Stacey's thing. I think that this is the one part of the game where Earl gets a little snowed. Like, you know, not a mistake per se, but I mean... You know, I think Earl was being fed a story, and I think Earl believed the story. But Yaman at least did not, so that's sort of setting up what's going on at Tribal Council.
0: Yep. So we get to Tribal Council, and of course, all Probes wants to talk about is the truck deal. Probes has a huge hard on for this truck deal, and Dreams again says he's going to honor it. He goes, "You know, I have a son. I want to set a good example for my son that you live up to your word, so I am going to honor the deal." So this is the big deal, and then then they cast the votes, and Jeff says, "Uh, "All right, does anybody have an idol to play?" and Again, and this is interesting, This is is this the first successful Idol play in Survivor history? Mm-hmm. Yes. It really
3: is. Okay, In so, yeah, all so... three seasons that the Idol's been here so far. <clears throat> the exactly. very
4: first time. Not as shocking as, you know, the giving away the truck and going to exile in the same fell swoop, but still a big moment.
3: And it's important to note that, I mean, this isn't coming out of nowhere here, or at least the way it's edited. Stacey makes a remark here at Tribal Council where she says, you know, After this Tribal Council, I think there will be a line drawn in the sand, and she says specifically that there will be a split. And that, at least, according to the edit, sends a a signal up in Yao and Earl's heads that says, like, oh, wait, if she's alluding to the fact that things are going to be different, that means that we're not carrying forth with the plan as we had thought, and that causes Yao to play the idol. Yeah.
0: And again, I like to bring this up again because I can't overstate how popular Yao was at the time, what a big character he was for his era. Like... He did so many firsts. He's like using the car deal to negotiate some uh, favor down the road. He was the first guy to build the fake idol. He's the first person to I
1: found lemon
0: use an idol successfully. There's a lot of stuff Yao man's doing outside the box that other people hadn't done yet. So again, I just we can't overstate how popular Yao was and what a big deal and what a breath of fresh air he kind of was at the time. And that's what's going to make his downfall at Dream's Hands later that big of a deal. So just keep that in mind.
2: Yeah, I think that when people re-watch Fiji or if they weren't fans of Survivor, you know, they they came later to the franchise. First of all, hi, hello, Survivor's a game show. And uh but when they go back and watch these old episodes, they go back and watch Fiji and it's like I think that for people that didn't, you know, that that weren't Watching Fiji live and go back and rewatch it. You know, usually when you go back and rewatch a season You sort of you know who wins, you know, some of the big talking points of the season You know some things like that and that's fine And I think that you know, we get caught up in the fact that you know survivor Fiji Earl won the season Earl won with a unanimous vote I think people really look for Earl and Earl is more visible than I think that some people who watched the season live sort of Remember him to be but at Mm -hmm. the same time Earl was not the main character of this season not by a long shot. The, the, the standout of this season is Yao Man, and it's not close. And, you know, it, it, it's not just for the firsts that Mario was talking about. That just adds to his lore. Yao Man was huge. He was incredibly popular. And, you know, when they bring Survivor Micronesia in a couple seasons out and they're bringing back, you know, fans versus favorites, favorite survivors to come out. And the fact that Yao Man's there, that's a no brainer. It, it was one of those where, like, Yao Man's coming back on this Fans versus Favorite season. You're like, well, well duh, it's Yao Man. He's the best.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those things that <clears throat> there's so much more to a Survivor season than the winner. And that's one thing I harp on over and over again. Yeah, people say, yeah, Earl won. Nine, nothing. It was great. He was a great winner. But there's so much more to a season than that. And right. these, these episodes right here are going to prove that.
3: And I know we talked in part two about how I would say the the four horsemen uh, misplay of the idol was pretty significant to the producers in terms of how this new idol would be used. But I would say equally important is the fact that this was a successful idol play. I think this finally showed the producers, oh, this idol can actually have a big effect on the game. And I mean, there haven't been too, too many successful idol plays moving forward amidst all the vote splits. But this was, I think, a a little groundbreaking in a way that I think because of this, and the Four Horsemen play. The producers say, okay, let's keep this idol from now on. So a yeah. big touchstone of Modern Survivor was basically because of Yao Man and Mookie.
0: The
4: real again, reason
0: Mario loves Fiji. <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, there's no one who hates idols more than I do. And I just cannot stand anything involving idols. But from a storytelling point of view, who do you want to be eliminated in this episode? Yao Man or Stacy? And when the idol causes Save Yao Man Stacey, to be saved. Save Yeah, whatever. So, yeah, so I have to appreciate that from a storytelling point of view. It's so much better that Yao Man's still here and stacy has gone. So I appreciate it, and that's the nicest thing I will ever say about an idol, until we get to Jason Siska.
2: Well, but the thing is, is that, I mean, I don't know behind the scenes, Mike, and I don't know how, how you were going, but I felt like with Survivor, at this point with the hidden immunity idols, I don't necessarily think that they were going to go away, you know? I just don't think so. I think that they were apart, and and I think that they were just along the lines of a successful play is going to happen eventually, and and it happens to happen here with Yao Man, which I think. It's a nice thing for the fact that it was Yao Man that got saved and Yao Man had the successful idol play and not some, you know, some douche. Right. But <laughs> a, a, at the same time, I, I don't think that, you know, if, if Yao Man does not have a successful idol play here, I don't think that the producers are like, well, let's just scrap this idol thing.
4: Well, like, but I, I, will, I will make the case, though, in support of Mike, is that moving to next season, we go to China where they scrap Exile Island, but still keep. You know, the idol in play and that we eventually phase out Exile Island. So maybe it's not the only factor in it, but I think this season gave some excitement um, for them to keep trying new things with the idol and find more ways to, to keep it going in the game.
2: Yeah, there's that. I also think that a uh, success with the idol this season is not also the, the play was a success. I also think that the, there was a success with the idol of the, the fact that it was buried at camp. And it's not something that they're going to do every season subsequently, but especially with China looming and where those idols were. I think that, you know, having the idols very close and sort of under people's nose was something that excited the producers at the time as well.
3: The fun thing about this vote outcome as well is this is probably one of the only times in the game where Dreams really has the, the strategic upper hand. I mean, this was Dreams' entire idea, and he got the majority on board. He was playing the way Survivor is meant to be played, and then he just got completely blown out of the water by this idol. He, he could have been doing pretty well had this idol play not actually happened.
0: He was
4: like Mookie. He was in the driver's seat. He was.
0: So, and Jay, it, you're basically saying that idols are like Boston Rob. They were here to stay. You know, he's going to win eventually. Just keep throwing him out there. He's going to win. They're Just get him on another season, Mario. <laughs> just do it. Yes. Don't so let anyway, your dreams be dreams. So we lose Stacy with two votes, which is kind of crappy, but oh well. So two, two to zero. Fit,
4: really fitting, <laughs> though. I think it's like fitting in her like MIDI's her mini character story, whatever you want to talk about. Stacey. I think it's great she goes out with just two, two votes.
3: <laughs> now, Paul, do you do you want to talk about Stacy on the early show? Because I know oh. we don't talk because I, I know not many people know about early show <laughs> moments, but I'm pretty sure this is like one of the most awkward early show interviews yeah, in the show's was, canon. Um,
4: Someone was posting this somewhere online, somewhere on Facebook. Um, So I know some people, more people have seen this one. And it's a really painful one to watch. It's actually, if you look it up on YouTube, it's in two parts. They have one that's like the first half of the interview, which is like two minutes. And then it has her secret scene, which is two minutes. Um... At the end of the second section, the secret scene. Well, first we give us the secret scene of Stacy is of course her being a bitch. She's like planning, plotting um, how not to give um, Boone a food to eat, or how they were gonna <laughs> hide the food from him. So you know he was lucky if he got fed too. But then it ends, and you know who's doing this interview here? But Harry Smith. You know everyone else is gone. Harry Smith, the guy who has no idea what's going on in the show. Um, is doing the interview and a reason why I love Stacy is that like it seems like she's a good sport about all this like she gets beat up beat up beat up but she's still kind of you know she just goes with it she doesn't fight back she's like whatever so she she goes to the early show and at the end she goes oh I have a present for you and so she takes out this little gift bag and she opens it up and there's a French press in there and she's uh-huh. handing it over to Harry but Harry does not, get this reference he goes oh okay and she she even goes oh and don't worry i included the instructions on there and there's like a little card of instruction that she oh, tied onto God. it so super funny if you know the season and his reaction goes oh yes thank you we drink a lot of coffee around here <laughs> oh it's horrible it is so bad and with that aside from the um you know, the, the winner coming on, um, to pick up his check the next day. Um, (laughs) besides that we end all, um, all survivors going on the early show. So you can thank Stacy for that.
3: What a perfect moment to represent the entire, (laughs) the entirety of survivors on the early show with that extremely awkward exchange.
4: Horrible. Like I, 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 I've seen it before. So I, It plays on my mind when I was doing research for the show. I kind of half watched it, but I kind of had to look away because it was too painful.
0: (laughs) Wow. And thus ends the legacy of (laughs) Stacy.
4: Yes. She should have been a villain. She would have been a fantastic villain. Did
2: she, like, once she got voted out, did she, like, walk down that path and she really like, where's the nearest baby?
3: (laughs) We're (laughs) drinking tonight.
5: (laughs) Okay.
4: No one All else right. has anything to say about Stacy. My God, I love her.
0: I just think, yeah, she could have been a great villain. She has two or three really horrible asshole moments, but she's really not significant to anything beyond that. So it's one of those, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. She could have been a great villain. She just wasn't really important to the storyline. Well, but
2: you, anyway. get the, you get the feeling in a, in a weird way and, uh, that, that it seems like the people that annoyed everyone at camp for the most part were Stacy and Cassandra. And neither one was, I mean, they showed some Stacy moments. They really block a lot of the Cassandra moments, but like you get the feeling that like people really didn't like those two out there, and yet they were not the presented villains of the season. We get like Alex and the Four Horsemen, and you know, we get weird Lisey moments, and I mean, you, you, there was no like you know, main sort of antagonist really that drives Earl in this whole season. It's just kind of like a collection of things, but it, you get the feeling that the people that That people really did not, you know, bond with out there weren't really shown with this Survivor Fiji.
3: Stacey has one of these edits edits where it's not like she's someone that they're going back to every episode. She's one of these people that's edited where if she's relevant to the plot of the episode, she'll be there, you know? So she was, when she was in power at Old Moto, she was there, and that was really the height of, you know, French pressgate and everything like that, and her really being a bitch to Dreams and Cassandra. Then she goes away for a long time because she's in the minority on New Moto. They don't go to tribal council, so she doesn't really have anything to do. When the merge happens, she has a little bit of stuff to do in that she's kind of a swing vote. Alex and Edgardo try to bring her over. But then she lays dormant again because she's pretty much stuck at number five and six on the totem pole of the Syndicate Alliance. So... I feel like Stacy was in the story when they needed her to be, but otherwise she was pretty much on the peripherals the entirety of the show.
0: I think she was just sitting out in the bushes with Cassandra talking. Also that. that Yeah, exactly, when they were listening to Alex and Mookie.
2: Rip and pepperoni, Stacy. We need to
0: move on to the final. That's right. And Boo, Boo surprisingly made the finals. I'd forgotten about that.
2: Fifth uh, fifth place goddess, Boo.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, yeah, we get to the final five. Um, it's basically, this is a big one for Yao Man. He needs to win immunity. If he doesn't win immunity, Dreams is going to come gunning for him. And what's funny is we start the episode with Earl. Like you said, this is the first time Earl's always been, has been snowed all season. He had no idea that Yao Man blindside was coming last night. So Earl has a great confessional where he says, I can't believe they didn't tell me. I mean, me. <laughs> it's just it's such an Earl moment. Like they tell me everything. I know everything. How could they not tell me that that was going to happen?
3: Right. And we have a, we have a, a great uh, idol scene the next day to kind of parrot what Alex and Mookie did around the merge, where Yao goes to Earl and says, like, hey, uh, I might have to borrow your idol if I don't win immunity this round. And Earl goes, yeah, sure, let's talk about that later. <laughs> yes.
2: Because Earl knows Earl does not want to go to the end with Yao, So you know it, it's one of those where he he likes Yao, and, and they talk about their friend Earl's going to talk about his friendship with Yao quite a bit in a very touching way in this episode. But you can also see that Earl has no Earl has no desire to go to the end with yeah. Yao man because Yao man's a tough beat. So there's that sort of thing going on. And I mean, I think that's the thing that we all knew we, we all were, I was rooting for Yao man super hard. Uh, mm-hmm. watching this this live but at the other hand you're like man how is Yao gonna get there you know and, yeah. and so that that's always the 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 tough thing but you it's, know it's,
0: it's basically a Richard and Rudy situation yeah yeah Rudy is real man Richard knows, like Earl knows I can't beat Yao I gotta get him out but I can't be the one to do it but but yeah, going, going but back but go or
3: like an, or like a successful version of Stephen Fishback and JT basically I think if Yao makes it to the end we talk about Earl as like the prototype of a Stephen Fishback of being the big strategist the entire season and get com- get getting completely blown out of the water by circumstances of getting the golden boy to the end. Yep. Yep.
2: I was just also going to mention that, you know, watching this opening and watching the fact that Earl had no idea what was going on, you know, and that it's it's a pet peeve of mine, you know, and it, it, I don't want to sit here and rank winners. And, and a lot of times people say, you know, did the winner of a season play the best game that season? And it's like, well, technically, yes, because they won, but... You know, when people talk about how do you play and what's the best way to play, we get into a lot of subjective things. And it's a big, long, boring, tiresome conversation that I don't necessarily want to have. But something that I also want to talk about is no winner, no one ever has ever played a perfect game. Even Earl. Earl is going to get every single one of the jury's nine votes in a minute. I mean, that's as perfect as it gets. And yet Earl makes mistakes from time to time. It's okay to make mistakes in Survivor. The whole thing is is that if you're going to make a mistake, you need to make a mistake that is not life-threatening. And in this Mm -hmm. case, Earl's mistake was he didn't know they were voting out Yao Man, which has nothing to do with Earl going home Mm -hmm. whatsoever. So, you know, in the grand scheme of mistakes, and I mean, he makes, uh, you know, just little bits along the way. This is not even, like, super high on the Richter scale, but... You know, I, it's to mention, even though I would consider Earl one of, you know, the better winners of all time, uh, you know, and, and, and he's super great and super awesome. When people are like, Earl played a flawless game. It wasn't flawless, but it was really, really, really,
0: really darn good. It's funny. I have a, a quote here I wrote down from Mookie, of all people, which really ties into what you just said, is that in the, in, right, right before the final vote, Mookie says uh, in a confessional, this game is dependent on the person next to you. Yep. And that's such a fantastic quote. And I can't believe I had to come from Mookie because again, yeah, there's no such thing as a person who controls every aspect of the game. Like this whole, this whole Yao Man blindside was dependent on the other people, not Earl. Earl had nothing to do with it. He had no say over it. So yeah, that's the thing with survivors. So many people love to break it down to some person controls the game, controls everything. But no, it's not true. It's exactly what Mookie said. This game is dependent on the person next to you.
3: Yep, and uh, surprisingly here, going into the immunity challenge, Earl and Yao Man are in the underdog position. Cassandra outlines me, Dreams, and Boo are gonna have to, are going to stick together, basically. And unless Yao Man or Earl wins immunity, one of them is going home.
0: Yep. Yeah, Yao Man is in a lot of danger right here.
3: So yeah, we get to the final five. This
0: is uh the uh from the Amazon, basically the challenge, the blindfolded maze where you have to reach down and figure out symbols, although they throw in some uh some draw bridges that go down which is kind of funny. You have to cross a a balance beam over water on a a blindfold, which as we've seen from Chris Doherty is hard enough without a blindfold. So it's kind of funny they make them do that. But yeah, this is the uh, Jenna Maraska Memorial blindfolded maze challenge from Amazon. And uh, it's a good one. You know, it's very close, but Yao Man out of nowhere comes to win and completely changes the narrative yet again. Yao Man probably would have gone home, but Yao Man wins immunity here at the final five. And that Changes things a lot.
2: The stars are really aligning for us because, you know, Yao Man sets into motion with the car deal. Yao Man sets into motion a huge target on his back, and he manages to avoid it last episode with an immunity idol, but now he doesn't have one. And Earl's probably not going to be so reticent giving it up. So Yao Man basically, he knows he's like, I got to win immunity. And it's like, you know, we were rooting for Yao Man to win. But if you aren't rooting for Yao Man to win, first of all, who are you? Second of all, You know, if you're looking for the narrative, the narrative is you want Yao Man and Dreams to be there at four and you want Dreams to win immunity because you want to see if this car deal is going to pay off. So Yao Man needs to get there like, you know, Dreams will be there. That's easy. But will Yao Man get there? And this was up in the air and Yao Man wins at five. And so we can all breathe a collective sigh of relief that at least. The You know, at least Yaman and Dreams will be there at four, and then we'll get to the four immunity when we get there. But Yaman wins, and it was a big thing, and he even says so to the camera afterwards. He's like, this was big. I needed to win this.
3: But we're in danger of the other half of the deal not being there because Boo decides, you know, again, he's like Alex, like Mookie, has his back up against the wall. He sees the writing on the wall. He decides, all right, let me just target Dreams, and he tries to pitch to Earl like, hey, I know you don't want Yaman in the final two bring me because I have a better chance of basically beating Yao Man in a challenge and I'll take you to the final two if I win.
0: Yeah, there's a really interesting conversation here where Earl starts playing out the final votes in his head when they get to the end, who's going to win the jury vote? And he thinks, well, Yao Man has done everything. Everybody loves Yao Man. He's strategic. He's outsmarts everyone. He's going to be tough to beat in the final three or final two. But then he also says Dreams. Dreams will be incredibly tough to beat at the end because Dreams has the sympathy thing. And well, it's funny. I just wrote this down in my notes. I don't think it, it's it's interesting how often this comes up in Survivor history. Yeah, this, Well, yeah, they're going to win. They're yeah. going to win at the end because everyone will feel bad for them. I don't know if I could think of one time in Survivor history where that has ever happened yet. People consistently think it's going to happen. Like I think back to Lil. Lil is a big one in Pearl Islands. Oh, everyone's going to feel bad for her. Then they get there and everyone just makes her cry because they hate her so much. And it's just one of these things, it's one of these persistent myths in Survivor history that someone will get to the end, everyone will feel bad for them, and they'll win.
2: Dreams I, this season. Um, uh, D- uh, Denise, the lunch lady.
0: Yeah, uh, and I, I know, I can. already know some people are going to argue Jenna Maraska. They're going to say, well, Maraska got to the end, everyone felt bad because of her dying mom. But that's complete BS. Jenna didn't Whoa. win out of sympathy. They well, She won because Matt was a spaz and because everyone liked Jenna. It has nothing to do with sympathy. And again, people will even say that about uh, this last season with uh, Jeremy but again that, that they don't people don't win because of sympathy and it's it's one of these myths that's persisted over the years and again you can totally see it in this season dreams get to the end does he get a lot of sympathy votes no i don't remember there being a lot of them since he gets zero votes so it's it's just something interesting that this myth has persisted for years that people can win survivor with sympathy and it just it just doesn't happen there's no evidence that backs up that that happens
2: because i think that what you're trying to do there mario is you're trying to reconcile sort of when when you're looking at the game from the outside looking in when you're outside the fishbowl you're thinking that's going to matter you know if if you're a rich millionaire going into survivor that's a handicap because if you go to the end someone's basically going to say so you're gonna give this millionaire more money like what's what's the matter with you and and by contrast if someone comes in they've got you know they've got you know legitimate financial hardships in their life and they get to the end and they're like Please give me this money because I have legitimate financial hardships. That's a hard thing to pass up because if you're in control of giving someone a million dollars and someone's like, I actually really need this money in order to survive versus someone that's like, yeah, it'd be nice. I get a Harley. You know, it's like it's a different sort of thing. But by that same token, when you're in the fishbowl, I feel like even though, you know it doesn't matter because then you sort of get locked in the game and the emotions and the psychology and, you know, the, the social re- relationships and the bonds that you make. And I think that all of that sort of goes away. But yet when you just sit there and try to ponder the end, you're trying to reconcile the outside the fishbowl from inside the fishbowl. And I think that people sort of, you know, default to what they naturally think like, ah, oh, well, you know, dreams has a real hard luck case. That's they, I don't think I can beat that. And the answer is, you can because Dreams totally betrayed absolutely everyone out there, but that's beside the point. You're know, you you're trying yeah. to reconcile the outside the fishbowl from the inside the fishbowl.
3: And yeah. Earl brings up a good point in the final Tribal Council because Stacy asked this exact question of should my vote be based on need? And Earl brings up a good point of like, hey, a million dollars would impact all of us. None of us are rich here. And I've even had my own share of hard knocks that I've grown up in. So it's not like my past has been completely clean either. I think Dreams just makes it such a big part of his narrative that it sticks out like a sore thumb. But, I mean, everyone's life would be impacted by a million dollars, you know? Yeah. It's, it's not like someone's going to frivolously throw their money away should they win the check. So it, it really, again, as you said, Jay, from the outside looking in, you would say, like, oh, obviously the, the, the people that are in the most dire situation should need the money more. But realistically, everyone kind of needs the money, or at least they would want the money. So it really is not a determining factor at the end of the day.
0: And Which we can never pretty- forget we can never forget that Brian Heideck won Survivor with the argument. please give me the money so we can go to Fiji.
4: exactly. way to tie that all together. I'm just going to piggyback on that a little bit, and I think you know what does happen in survivor is that a lot of times pe- you know people vote for someone they feel comfortable winning the game with and someone they like. so there might be an element of like I think about a Sandra or someone mm-hmm. like that, someone that like It's not a matter of you get to the end and then it's a black and white who needs the money the most. But if you feel comfortable with a person like Sandra because she's built a bond with you over the course of a season and you know that she's a mother and she's working hard for her kids and by the end of the game it gets to a point where you really respect her, then that's the person you're going to give your vote to in the end because it's something that you can get behind. It's not a... It's not this binary, you know, who needs it the most, who doesn't need it the most, and that's who, who, who gets the money. I think it's a, a much more complicated um, issue that's embedded into the inherent social nature of the game.
0: Yeah. So I guess if there are any future players listening to the show, just that's the lesson to take here, that don't necessarily worry about someone who's a hard luck sympathy case. That doesn't necessarily mean they're a huge jury threat if nobody likes them.
1: I found the lemon tree.
0: All right, what do we got here? So, yeah, it's going to be either Dreams or Boo tonight. And uh, Dreams is starting to agonize here. He's like, he goes, I know I can't vote Yao out tonight. I know Yao is going to make me give him the D, the at immunity at the next challenge. Yeah, Dreams is suddenly realizing how, mu- how much Yao has trapped him here. It, it's starting to really gnaw at him. Like, oh, I have no say over this anymore. This is going to work out exactly like Yao made me promise. And now I'm going to have to do something about it. So you can see Dreams' little breakdown starting right here. And uh, yeah, Boo, Dreams isn't dumb, Boo isn't dumb, Boo is making some really logical arguments why they should take out Dreams tonight and help, and he's like, help me take Yao out. So Boo Boo and Dreams are making some really good arguments here in this episode that, again, just points out that neither one of them are dumb people. They're both pretty good players, actually. And uh, what happens here? Yeah, Boo Boo says, you know, I have no enemies, but I have no friends on the jury either, so, you know, take me to the final three. I can't really win. I have nobody who's really rooting for me to win, which is a very valid argument for a player like boo to be making i mean take me to the final three i can't beat you so let's see i'm trying to rush along here we get to the tribal council uh this is the final time that earl can play his idol he just got the one that the owl gave him the clue for so earl plays the idol everyone is shocked seems like nobody knew that earl had one and uh it's going to come down to boo or dreams and goodbye boo
3: really quick for, for someone who tore his acl he runs out of there pretty quickly (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. That, uh, you know, I, I kind of like Boo. I hate to say that since he brought us Russell. If p- people don't know, he was like friends with Russell Hans and He's the one that got him onto the show. But I kind of like Boo in this season. He had some good moments.
2: Yeah, he, he has some good, good moments. Just really, really quickly. Do you, you know? Cause, OK, so if you have a hidden immunity idol and it's the last night to play it, do you just play it or do you do the whole cocky thing of, you know, keeping a souvenir if you know you're not going anywhere?
3: Why would you not play it? That's, That's what I always think. Right? <laughs> why, you, why you wouldn't play? Because you'd also, again, if you're talking about building a resume, you said, "Hey, look, I found a hidden immunity idol, and I'm not lying because you can clearly see it. It is an idol. Look, everybody, yeah. I can do it. Vote for me to win."
2: Yeah, there's there's people that hold on to it for style points and and things like that. And it was like, you know, you know, when I was watching that episode, my wife kind of walks to the room, and you know, Earl gets up and plays his idol, and I just went, "Oh, Earl, no one's voting for you," you know, and <laughs> and, and, and my wife's like. Yeah, but you play it anyway, right? And I was like, well, yeah, I would. I mean, yes. you know, it's, it's, it's not that. But then, you know, I noticed that some people
0: don't. And I'm always like, dude, just play it. Just throw it in there. Well, think back to Sandra. Sandra does that in Heroes versus Villains, right? She doesn't have to play it. She just does. Yep. Just because she's Sandra, she's like, fuck you, I'm Sandra. It's like, it's just, I just, I like the style points of that. Look, I had an idol you guys didn't even know. Didn't need it. Yep. So, uh, anybody want to eulogize Boo? I'm aware that we have no more early shows since Stacy broke them. Yeah, boo hoo for that.
3: Wow. I mean, Boo. Boo was an. <laughs> I'll sort of copy and paste what I said about Stacy with Boo. That he was very pertinent in the first couple of moments of the game. I mean, he was again part of this majority alliance on Moto. Uh, he had a little bit of a storyline on New Moto and in trying to climb his way out of the minority, and then he was prevalent for he was almost the first boot in the merge should the merge have actually happened and not had that bullshit five on five twist but then after that he was like okay i'm working with you guys good let me lay low tear my acl win a couple challenges and now i'm gone and i will counter your argument mario that yes he did bring us russell Hans, but he also brought us james clement so you take the good with the bad
0: and there you have the facts of life so it brought us Lisa Welchel too. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I just <laughs> I happened to watch an episode of Facts of Life the other day and it was unwatchable. That is the worst show ever. Yeah,
2: that happens. <laughs>
0: my, right. my my father in law watches a lot of old like
2: TV like sitcoms and things, mm-hmm. and they just don't hold up. And he's just like, "Yeah, it's a classic," and I'm like, "Yeah, but it's not good." Like it was good We're, at the time, yeah. but you know.
0: We're totally going off the subject here, but yeah, a lot of those '80s sitcoms like Facts of Life, there's no point to it. All it is is familiar characters saying pleasant things that's the entire point of 30 minutes of tv there's nothing outstanding about it a mild, like the
4: original survivor season a mild drama guys yeah yeah a Uh,
2: mild drama a a mild a mild problem occurs and then it gets you know immediately resolved and everyone feels good and that's kind of the end of the episode yeah
3: okay i can't wait for the sitcom historians
0: (laughs) we'll have plenty more time to take down facts of life once we get up to philippines Oh my god. That's like <laughs> eight years from now. <laughs> I can't wait to make fun of RC's laugh. <laughs> Alright. Okay. I'm traumatized. So let's... Uh, final four. Final, let's go four. To go to the final four. And Earl. Earl right here. I forgot that he did this. He compares his friendship with to Yao to Rush Hour. It's the young black guy and the old Asian guy. I'm like, I, I thought that i had made up that quote, but I forgot that Earl says it in the episode. So he I does can't say it in the that.
2: episode, but it's a nice sentiment again because he's like, look, a young black man and old chinese man and he's like we're going to be friends for the rest of our lives i just know it you know and you're like that's it's nice you know it's it's nice when when you know the show throws people from different walks of life together and sometimes friendships are made you
0: know yep and again we start this up we start in the final four here with dream sitting around camp telling everyone i'm going to take yao's deal today he goes I want to do it for my son, I want to do the right thing i'm going to, i'm gonna I'm gonna live up to my word today. I'm a man of my word so again, dreams is totally intending to do it, and again, I don't care how much he changes his story later. I do believe he intended to do it at this point still
2: I one hundred percent think that he was totally gonna
0: give the immunity to
3: absolutely
0: all right, but first, hey, we get my favorite part, the rites of passage, Or as some people call it incorrectly fallen comrades. this is the torch walk where they they walk around and they Find everyone's torch and they talk about it. They memorialize all their all their fallen comrades. I
1: found the lemon tree.
0: This one is particularly good. I like this one because they they're in a it's a a a rafting thing. They go in their canoe down the river and they grab each person's torch along the way. And it's a particularly uh, poignant one. I thought.
3: Oh, we don't have like a postcard. It is like a postcard. It's just like that.
0: We, we also don't
2: get, but we don't get Katie just dropping Janu's torch down the middle of the, <laughs> the water. But, but,
3: we, but we do get Lisi opining about how she couldn't stick it out and then cut to her falling flat on her face during the memory <laughs> challenge.
1: Yeah, that's the greatest. I found the lemon tree.
0: During Lisi's torch walk, they show her falling on her face. And then the next one is Michelle, and the first clip of Michelle falling off the platform.
4: And we get some nice uh, Sylvia
0: in there? Yeah, <laughs> Sylvia. Calling yourself Plain. a bitch. A bossy son of a bitch.
3: We have yeah. Papa Smurf falling flat on his ass during that slip and slide challenge.
0: <laughs> I kind of I hoped
2: that Sylvia's words when she went there was like, during that, during, during when my torch, you get to my torch, I hope it's orthogonal.
4: <laughs> but, uh, did you guys get the same feeling that when Papa Smurf's torch, when his whole thing came on, you kind of like got goosebumps? Like, whew, this guy's going to be
0: back. All-Stars 2, baby.
3: <laughs> Look at that poignant shot. That, that torch didn't go out. You know what that means?
1: I <laughs> found the lemon tree.
3: All-Stars 2.
0: <laughs> I shudder to think of how many times I
1: found the lemon you
0: Tim has inserted
1: I found a lemon you
0: That I found a lemon tree clip. I found
1: the lemon
0: you Into this torch walk. I found the
1: lemon you I found the lemon you I found the lemon you I
0: found the lemon you I found the lemon you Clip. Tim, retroactive, you son of a bitch.
1: I found the lemon you
0: All right, yeah, this is where we get the Mookie quote. This is the one I quoted earlier. Mookie says, this game is dependent on the person next to you, which is, again, should be written and circled and bolded and highlighted in everything that's ever written about Survivor ever, because it's a very true statement that one person never controls Survivor.
2: Well, and I think that it also highlights, you know, the the problems that you have uh, bringing people back. You know, you bring people back. You know, Mario, you always talk about it from a character standpoint in the sense that, you know, Now, you know, once once a person's played Survivor, they've, you know, played Survivor, they've been a character on their season. So when they come back, they're playing more of a character a lot of times. Yeah, there's that. And then also strategic wise, you know, they they have learned more about the game. They know things they want to try more strategic things. But it's always along the lines of people are like, oh, I want to see this person play with this person. It's like. It's just immediately going to be different. You know, every season is unique in the sense that you're playing with the people that are on that season. And, you know, you come back again. Maybe you know more. Maybe you're going to try a different strategy. Maybe you're going to mug for the camera more. But, you know, your interactions, it's like, well, I can't wait for this person to come back. And it's like they're not going to be the same. They're going to be completely different. It's going to be completely different situations, different tribes, different everything. Like Survivor has so many moving parts to it. And that's what I, I think fascinates me is that it goes thirty some odd seasons, is still a relatively successful game as a game show as far as game shows go. And it you know, it it's even though it's the same, it's different every time because of the people that play it and who you're next
0: to. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean you could run if you took the exact same season with the exact same people, run it over, you'll get a completely different result. I yeah. mean, that's the thing. Even even if you if you wipe their memories clean like in Men in Black, you gave them a memory wipe after the season, threw them out there again, it might work out in, completely differently the second time.
3: Does Melissa McNulty still quit?
0: Yes. Every single time.
2: Yes. Yes. There is no iteration that she makes that game. <laughs> she's a horrible quitter. Run run the Fiji scenario a thousand times. She quits a thousand times. I mean that
0: that's <laughs> mathematically sound, right? Yes. And Rocky wins 99% of the time. <laughs> we but just God, found the
3: one. We found the 1%. Weight. Is this the darkest timeline? are timeline.
0: I didn't win, bro. <laughs> yeah, this is the back to the future where Bip is like president. <laughs> movies. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah, I forgot about Paul. Sorry, we've lost Paul again. Paul, All right, you back talk to a the little f- bit about Gray's Sports Almanac. Yeah. <laughs> sports and movies like hell. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> All right, yeah, so we get to the final immunity challenge, and this is speaking, a big speaking
2: one. Of, speaking of topical, you know, I, I know that we're many years away from Survivor Fiji, but, you know, it's really nice to kind of turn on the old Survivor television show Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock on CBS and get a waterboarding challenge. <laughs> well, this,
3: this, this, <laughs> is very, this is very indicative of what Jeff was basically treating the fan base like at this <laughs> point in time. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this is a particularly particularly sadistic challenge. In fact, my friend Adam Kolodny said this was like one of a uh, jigsaw's saw tra- uh, traps and saw. <laughs> it's basically how can we torture these people?
2: Okay, so so just set this up. I mean, you guys are probably watching along at home, but I just want to like paint this scene. So they get the four survivors, and they're like on a uh, they're like on a like a bo- like an elevated board of some some something and it's 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 at an angle. It's like you know at a 20 or 30 degree angle or something like that. And they're holding onto a wooden handle. So basically they need to hold on to the handle on this board. And you know if they if they let go of the handle handle they slide down the board and basically into a pool of water. And not only that, then they stream water <laughs> out of like a, a hole in a barrel above them. So then the plank gets like slippery and it's like the water is not only making the board slippery behind them, but it's, like, dripping on them at some point. And then after every once in a while, Jeff Probst is actually going to crank the angle that they're, like, resting on with this plank to a more severe angle, so that not only are they, you know, having to use their weight and their arms more to, like, hold on to the wooden handle, the water then is, like, streaming directly on them. Like, it literally becomes waterboarding
0: after a (laughs) while. This is like an MXC challenge, the most extreme elimination. (laughs) With uh, Kenny Blankenship and Boba (laughs) Ganoush. yeah <laughs> right you are kenny what would gila douche say about this and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is a horrible challenge. and they keep increasing the angle so eventually they're just hanging straight down with water going down their back and like their arms are getting pulled out of their sockets it's again literally a medieval torture device and, they and turn this, over. this
3: challenge this goes for all of like 20 minutes which is again understandable it's very comparable to like the thailand final immunity challenge of squatting this pose. <laughs> yeah. uh and holds coins just because, like you the human body should not have to withstand. There's a reason why that's called a torture rack because the <laughs> body cannot withstand that threshold. like of pain.
2: after five minutes, they turn over to Captain toil, and he's like cranking the, you know, uh, the the thing like it makes this like awful cranking sound <laughs> as it's going you know like it's almost like that uh that that death machine that's in the princess bride right yeah, exactly. like it's just <laughs> like you know jeff probst is just cranking that machine and it's like
0: like oh my god what is this thing yeah surprisingly cassandra does not do well in this challenge okay well there's a reason this
4: challenge is like is a torture for me is because anyone who um who, who listened to me on The try way back in the day. There used to be a segment we would do called um, Survivor Stump, and people would write in questions and try to ask a question about Survivor. And this is back, you know, talking about these earlier seasons, even at this point, it starts getting, you know, I'm not as sharp as I am about the, the original 10 seasons or so, but still, like, fairly good at um, recalling Survivor trivia about, like, Survivor Fiji and stuff. But like, so people would write these questions and if they could stump me, then they would win a t-shirt and it happened like a couple times, but like someone wrote a question about this challenge and it was just enough for me to say quit, like I'm done with these stupid questions anymore because someone had asked me the question and then some, I don't know who was hosting the show at that time, but they actually like asked this question to me to say what were the four colors that were used um, during this final four immunity challenge on Fiji, list them in order from left to right. <laughs> So that's what I said, F, that I've done with this. I've, I've proven my point as a survivor uh, historian.
0: I'm going to go start a podcast with Mario now. Yeah, You know, 10% of our readers can answer that question, Paul. We have a yeah. big nerd fan base.
4: Well, that's fine. I'll pass the torch on to them because <laughs> I cannot tell you the order that uh, of the colors of these of this challenge I'm I gotta sorry.
2: T- I gotta tell you Paul you know listening to the tribe back then it was it was really interesting because you know they, they'd ask these obscure questions and then you'd know them and it was like that was impressive enough and then after a while like the questions would literally become like nine part questions they're horrible <laughs> like like it was just like you know they'd ask a question they'd be like well what was this okay I get that and then they'd be like who was the cousin that came up with this idea you know and you're sitting there going like Wow, these, these questions don't end. Like there's literally well, they, nine parts. Or to it. there'd
4: be ones where it's like in you know, in the first fifteenth season of Survivor, of the people voted off in this place, how many da da da? And so like we have to edit out like an hour of airtime of me like sitting here trying to like write it all down. So it just so this challenge brings back a lot of bad
0: memories for me. I'm sorry. You know, the only regret I see when I watch this challenge is that we didn't get to see Coach strapped to that torture rack. <laughs> I would have loved to see Coach milk this for 20 minutes.
2: You know, in an Earl fashion, Earl, you know, does all right, but then doesn't, you know, ultimately doesn't really factor into the uh, final result here. But I thought Earl had a good thing going because, you notice to like totally switch to like one side of the board because the whole point is that the water's trickling down and it's supposed to, you know trickle down behind you so that you know it's getting your back and you know your legs that are touching the board your feet that are touching the board wet so that it's you know a little more tricky to you know sort of rest and get traction but like earl sort of shifts to one side to where the water is not streaming and i was like "Ooh, that's smart earl's gonna do well up no he's gone we
3: we almost had a danny Beltwright situation on our hands there with people breaking (laughs) the challenge yeah i half expected jeff to go even more sadist when
0: earl's like out of the way of the water jeff's like all right start throwing golf balls at his testicles (laughs) start the rain machine
2: yeah throwing golf balls at him this isn't
5: big brother
0: (laughs) so yes so anyway it's i did think this challenge was a little bit stacked for dreams if you know you know dreams is history as a cheerleading coach he's a gymnast so he's like not very heavy and he's got these huge athletic shoulders like all these gymnasts do so this challenge was kind of stacked that i don't think anybody could have possibly beat dreams again that's not again for the narrative. You, you want Dreams to win this right. just because it makes the story better. But I just thought something I noticed when I watched so it. Like, no one's, no one's going to beat him in this
2: challenge. Everyone was rooting for Yao Man, right? And it comes down between Yao Man and Dreams, which is just narratively great. And Yao Man is the one that falls off. Dreams wins the immunity. So, like, story-wise, you're like, yes, Dreams wins. This whole truck challenge is going to pay off. But, I mean, all of us at home, we were like, no, Yao Man, we wanted that guarantee. Because at this point, Jeff has told them that it's going to be a final three, right? No, I don't
3: think no, so. Yeah, no, he did. He did.
2: And did he? Okay. he told them he
3: told before, them before the, the challenge, but to yeah. to absolutely no reaction. I mean, say what you want to about <laughs> uh, Becky and Sundra's stellar personalities in Cook Islands. They at least had more of a, a reaction to it than these guys did. Well, I don't think
4: <laughs> I think most people hadn't seen Survivor
0: before, so they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, right. is it right. supposed to
4: be a two? We didn't know that. What's
2: we did That's cool. So you know, I
0: don't. I just wrote some notes here. Just this whole scene. It's so dramatic when it's the Yao versus Dreams showdown, and the music's playing, and it's mm-hmm. it's a big moment. I just wrote in my notes here. There is so much more drama here than any scene in Cook Islands. Like, it's just fantastic how gripping this is right now.
2: It was almost as dramatic as that Battleship Challenge.
0: (laughs) Yes. Almost.
2: Almost.
0: If only Stacy were here.
2: (laughs) But Dreams wins. And what's great is that Dreams has won immunity, and so we are literally going to spend a million years talking about is he going to give the immunity to Yao Man?
0: And now Dreams first first plots it out in his head. He's like, you know what? This is the last vote before the finals. I could just take the immunity and go to the end because he seems to think he can win. Again, it's this whole sympathy thing. He thinks maybe he's going to get some votes. So, uh, yeah, yeah, this is uh, – I wrote here. This is something a lot of people forget about Fiji that – Final three was not a known variable yet, but you guys just trumped that by reminding me these are all recruits. So it, it, I don't know. Who knows what they thought was going to happen? I don't know. But it really – it was uh, – they weren't aware that it could be a final three.
2: Right. But they, right they, they were told so. So so this sort of changes the thing. But, I mean, the, the drama is not who's going home tonight. I mean, it is the drama. But basically it's like if Dreams gives the immunity to Yao Man, they're all going to vote Dreams out. Yeah. And – If Dreams keeps the immunity, they're all going to vote Yao Man out. So like it's Dreams or Yao Man that's going home. And it's basically hinged on what Dreams does with the idols. So that's why we're talking about it.
0: Yeah. And Dreams even says, this is a good quote. I kind of circled it here. He says, I worked hard to get here. I want to do the right thing, but it's hard. And he goes, when I think of my kid, I know I'll do the right thing. So it's like he wants to do the right thing, but it's just he goes, I worked so hard to get here. I can't just give up. It's just it's starting to tear at him right now. I think that Yao Man, to his credit,
2: I think played this exactly right. Like, you know, some people would say, you know, and I mean, there's something to be said to just overly nag, right? Because, I mean, Yao Man could have been in Dreams' face all day, basically, like, you're giving me that immunity, right? You're going to give that immunity, right, and try to guilt trip him. Maybe a guilt trip works. Maybe it really does. For my credit, I would have probably played it like Yao. Yao, just let him go. You know, just said, I think you'll make the right decision, but you got to follow your heart. I'm not really going to say much to you.
0: And probes gives him crap for that later, but I think that's just probes trying to dig up drama. Yeah, Yao, Yeah, they had no business trying to badge your dreams. Either he's gonna keep his word or he's not. Like nothing Yao says at this point is gonna change it. Although Yao, you know, wastes no time guilting him any chance he can get. Like, I hope you live up to your word, but whatever you decide, you have to live with it. Which, I mean, that's not really an asshole thing to say, but that is that is a guilt trip. That's thing needling. To say. I mean, yeah, and
2: that's 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 where a lot of stickiness comes in. I mean, let's let's start talking about this. I mean, it, you know, as as far as this goes, this is not, you know, and as much as we love Yao Man and as much as Yao Man's great, this is not super cool of Yao Man. Like, you know, this, this is nope. th- this is this is this is literally like emotional blackmail at this point.
5: Yep.
3: No, and it's it's, it's it's exploitative. It's exactly what it is. And I yeah. mean, I know behind the scenes information, I think they'd I think they'd said, like, everyone had pretty much agreed, like had talked about how dreams really needed the car. And everyone was talking about like we we should give the car away and yao Man said okay if this is a fact let me use it to my advantage and dreams brings up you know a couple times how well Yaman just didn't do this out of the kindness of his heart he had a strategic idea behind it and Because he's such a fan favorite, I think we're easier to forgive him for that. And there's a reason why, after this, Dreams was vilified over this decision to keep Immunity. Because he basically was single-handedly sent a fan favorite home. But at the same time, I mean, Yao Man was definitely harping on a little bit of Dreams' situation at the time. And, and I yet, mean, it's
4: it's jumping out of the, the chronology thing just a little bit. I think Yao Man's reaction to all of this once it's all over and how mature he is about an understanding about it, I think, is indicative of the fact that Yao Man knew what he was doing in this in the situation too. That it was a game move on his on his behalf.
1: Yeah.
0: And Yao Man, to his credit, again, has said this.
1: I found the lemon
0: tree. I've seen him write this on the internet in, in many different places that.
1: I found the lemon tree.
0: As he looks back up on it in retrospect, he realizes it was a horrible thing he did to Dreams, that basically he set Dreams up into a situation that was no win. There's no way Dreams wins, can win in that situation. He looks like an asshole either way. And Yao Man says, it was really kind of irresponsible of me to do that to this poor kid who, you know, it's, I know it's a game and everything, but I set him up in a way that he was gonna be the bad guy with the audience. And Yao has said,
1: I found the lemon tree.
0: You could have edited Fiji to make me look like the villain because of what I did to Yao, to Dreams, and it totally would have been legitimate because he goes, that entire situation was my fault. And Yao will own up to this and take full credit for it. So it's one of these things, if there's still residual hatred towards Dreams out there, it's not justified, because even Yao Man has said, I
1: found the lemon tree.
0: That's not realistic. Like, I was the asshole in that whole thing. I should not have phrased it that way. It just was not a nice thing to do.
2: So putting all of that and knowing that, because I think that the four of us on this podcast are, pro-Dreams isn't the right word, per se, but, you know, I think we all are basically like, yes, we know that this is not just Dreams being a jerk, you know, that Yao Man's, you know, just as, if not more culpable in this situation. All right, guys. Put yourself in the situation. Do you give up the immunity
0: necklace? Hell no. (laughs) 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 There's no way I would give it up at that point. Again, although keep in mind, if you know you're going to get savaged in the final vote, I can see, yeah, I don't want that embarrassment. I don't want to get destroyed on national TV. I'll give away my idol. Dream seems to think he has a chance. Why he thinks that, I don't know. But with the information he had at the time, there is absolutely no way he should have given it up.
3: The thing I don't understand is if Dreams plans on giving away the immunity necklace. I mean, yes, it might be a done deal that Earl and Yao Man will vote against him because he's a big threat. But I don't think it's he has a snowball. I mean, he has more than a snowball's chance in hell of convincing Cassandra. Hey, at least throw me a pity vote. He'll pull like a sugar here or a bob and say, hey, force a tie against. Earl, I guess, and let's let's at least go to fire. You know, let me let me tough it out. You owe me that much for how much we've partnered up over the course of this game. And if Dreams wins, then he he makes it to the final, and he was a man of his word. Granted, he'll again probably get slaughtered by Yao Man, but I, I feel like there is a way for him to get to the end and still give up immunity. Albeit, it's a very very small course.
0: I have an interesting little thing from our insider email. I might want to read it at this point. It's it. It kind of changes the way you think about this situation. Should I delve into this right here? Let's let's hear what Renee Seiler has to say. Okay, again, this is from our inside source. We have people connected to the show, talk to Jeff Probst all the time. They know him. These are people, these are impeccable sources. I'm not going to say their name because I don't want to get them in trouble, but just you have to trust me on this one. These people know their stuff. Um, <clears throat> here's a, a direct quote from our Fiji inside information. This person said,
1: I found the lemon tree.
0: What's interesting about the whole Dream situation is that Dreams couldn't have possibly won against Earl or Yao, but he would not have lost much money by placing fourth instead of tied for runner-up. Had he placed fourth, had he given up the immunity, finished in fourth place, he'd have the truck and $75,000, and Yao would be a fantastically popular winner. This would be a really popular season at the end. And then our, our email says, the irony of this whole thing is that we probably would have seen Dreams return during Fans versus Favorites instead of Yao Man, because Dreams would have been the nice guy who gave this really popular guy the win. So had Dreams given Yao the immunity, Yao wins, Dreams probably is beloved. He comes back for Fans versus Favorites, and in the end, Dreams probably would have won more money in the long run than in this case. Like, had he played the honorable game in the long run, he probably makes more money.
3: Yeah, but you know, you know, Dreams is not cognizant enough of Survivor to play for All Stars 2. He is not Papa Smurf here. (laughs) Yeah. Of course. I'm just saying. No,
0: Papa Smurf. That's clearly not his plan. I'm just saying that's the great irony in this whole thing that if Dreams gives that. A necklace to Yao and Yao wins. This whole season is different. Dreams, this whole legacy is different. Yao man's legacy is different. This is a beloved season. It's just, it completely changes so many things. But by the same
2: token, I think that we need to address the fact that, okay, we've had an all-star season by this point. Survivor 8, of course, was Survivor all Stars. So the fact that you could come back possibly and play this game again is in play. But I'd also like to point out that this is Survivor 14. We've only had the one all-star season. And you know, we're all thinking that they're gonna do another all-star season. I mean, obviously Gary is, you know, joking about it and all that sort of stuff. But we know that there's gonna be Oh, another... I don't
4: think he's joking, but continue.
2: Okay, okay. Calm down. Just calm down. <laughs> just calm down over there.
4: Stop talking, Paul. Stop talking. No, <laughs> like... I think I should be able to to defend no, myself. No, no, Paul, here. just
2: just just stop just do I need to Kayla
4: Boca. Kayla Boca.
0: How many zeros in Montana? <laughs> but, but like, to I don't think that,
2: you know, even that that is going on. Like, okay, we're going to get Survivor Micronesia in two seasons, but they don't possibly know that that's what's going to happen. And then we get Heroes vs. Villains in season 20. And then, literally, starting with Redemption Island in 22, we start getting these seasons where we're getting returnees, like, every other season or practically every season... That's way in the future, the floodgates opening for returnees to come back and stuff like that. And so in in the modern Survivor era, the possibility of returning not only is great, it is something that is ever-present. And so I feel like in modern seasons when you play, you almost have your eye on returning. And I feel like even in Survivor Fiji, even though the precedent has been set that you can, in theory, return to Survivor... It hasn't been set that, you know, there are going to be many opportunities for returnees and return seasons. So, you know, saying saying, well, you know, if dreams, you know, gives Yao man the immunity necklace and go bows out and forth and becomes a beloved figure, he's a shoe in to come back and then win more money in the future. Like that's not something that I feel like you know you, you people are so present in thinking I feel like if Fiji happens in season 24 or 25 or something like that you know even even with dreams and his you know not being so focused and uh, playing for the future I feel like even with that maybe someone mentions returnee seasons or there's an air of more returnee seasons and that's something that people think about more but in Survivor Fiji it's not something that that I think is so present
0: Okay, let me phrase it this way, then. Let's just talk about take out the recurring character thing out of the the equation altogether. Let's just go back to Australia and say, there's something to be said for the noble guy who gives up the win at the end, how he actually becomes a bigger star than he would have been. Yep. So you look at it that way, like dreams gives up immunity becomes the good guy, the hero, he gives Yao man the victory. He becomes a big beloved hero. And he Again, maybe that helps him. Maybe he gets something in life. Maybe he gets an endorsement deal or something out of the deal. That's the thing. There's a meta game in Survivor that if you come out looking like the big good guy that people love, the good things can happen to you. And again, it's the Colby situation. So yeah, that's I mean, you take out the the returning player, because I think you're right. Yeah. You can't really assume that you're gonna return, but you can assume that that the audience will smile on someone doing the right thing, even if it's against your best interest.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing, and, and that that's what's tough. We, if and and that's where I think that the the decision becomes very sticky amongst you know people who theorize about the game because I feel like if you're a, a game theory crafter, the only decision is you keep the immunity necklace because mm. you you know by giving up the immunity to Yao Man, you then pre- basically get yourself voted out at four, and you have a zero percent chance of winning in the final immunity. Now. We all are, agree that Dreams' chances of winning the final immunity are not very high. But for the fact that he's in the final immunity, it's greater than zero. Yeah.
0: And I, again, I have another thing that uh, Jeff Probst has said. And I, I just saw this recently, an article where Jeff was talking about Fiji. And this is, I think this might change a lot of people's opinions on this because it kind of changed my thinking as well. But, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, dreams rene- renegs on his deal and he you know, doesn't do the right thing and he goes back on his word but Jeff has said you know, I've worked with a lot of people that grew up like dreams, people that grew up homeless people with no possessions, with no money like, they have a different mindset than a-, a person that grows up with affluence or wealth or everything, like someone who grows up on the streets with nothing if you hand them something, they take it just because that's the thing—they're—they're they're not used to having things. So it's always better to have something than not have something. It says, and it's just—it's so ingrained in the way they look at the world that Yao Man says, "Dreams, you want this car?" Dreams like, "Yeah, I want the car." Then Dreams has immunity. Dreams, you're gonna keep immunity. Yeah, I'm gonna keep immunity. Like it's not even a right or wrong thing when it, with someone like Dreams. And again, this is just totally a cultural thing. It's just someone with Dreams as background. That's just the way they're raised. That if you have something, you don't give it up because you may never get something again. That's just. It's just a different way of looking at the world, and that's what—that's why Jeff has even said that he thinks Yao Man was kind of playing on that a little bit with Yao Man' knowledge of, you know, he knows so much about so many things that he would know that this, you know, poor kid without a possession to his to his name, is going to be suckered into this really easily because that's just the way he thinks. So when Probst wrote that, and Probst says, you know, I've never faulted dreams again once I realized that mindset exists among people that are like him. It's just a cultural thing. So. Once I realized that, I can't fault Dreams for this at all, because why would he give up a chance to win a million dollars? He will never have that again. He knows that. He's like, I'm going to do everything I can to get it because I was raised to take advantages when they're given to me because I do not get advantages in life.
3: Yeah, and I think that's it's very indicative of his entire gameplay. This is a guy who was jumping between two alliances a few rounds ago and trying to keep all his balls in the air because he was just the person where people kept coming to him with things and he kept saying yes. And he kept saying, he didn't, he didn't say yes, but he just kept saying yes. And let's keep doing this. And as a result, he gets in a lot of trouble and he burns a lot of bridges as a result. And that's, just I guess an unfortunate uh, externality of bringing this sort of lifestyle to the game, and and I completely agree with what you said, Mario. And unfortunately, it makes Yaman seem almost like a bigger asshole in that he says, "Well, I know you're you are uh, you would never want to you know get rid of this, so I'm going to forcibly try to yank it out of your hands, or else just completely you know spit roast you over a spitfire in front of the jury."
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Either I give you a chance to win a million dollars, or I'm going to show America what a horrible asshole you are, which is just a horrible thing to do and that's you can see dreams is having a little breakdown in this scene here he knows that's the choice he's like i can't give up this chance for a million dollars because i will never get this again no one will ever give this to me again but i'm absolutely going to get roasted for this and i know it. and you can see it and it's like i said i'm an i'm an empath and i can i can feel this when i see it in dreams's eyes he's crying it's He's keeping the immunity. He can see it. hes He's got tears dripping down his eyes. He pulls his buff down over his face. He's embarrassed of himself. He can't bear that he's done this, but he can't help it at the same time. It's like its like the story of the the frog and the, the scorpion, I believe, where the frog is swimming across and the scorpion stings him. And the frog's like, why did you sting me? And the scorpion's like, I can't help it. It's in my nature. That's what I do. And it's just, it's just horrible. And to the point that after the scene, there's the most poignant moment. And I didn't remember this at all. And this is one of those things that can make me cry almost like, you know, Yao Man gets voted out. Dreams knows it's all his fault. He he did the wrong thing for self-gain. And Dreams won't even go back to camp with the immunity idol. He takes it off and he puts it on the ground at Tribal Council and he leaves it there. And the camera like zooms in on it as they walk back. It's such a sign of shame. He's so embarrassed and ashamed of what he's done. And it's just it's just one of those moments that there's only like five, six moments in survivor history that I think are that powerful. And that's why I said this season is so much better than its reputation. And just, I, I don't even know what to say about it. It's just so gut-wrenching when you think about it. Yep. I mean, that, that's the thing,
2: because you, you try to think about all the angles. You try to think about, okay, possibly returning, which, you know, I, I talked about it for a long time. But, you know, we, we bring up that point that, you know, and, and what's funny is once we get into final tribal council, that, and, and I promise we're going to get there in a little bit, but, you know, Dreams had no shot. And and the, the, the deal with Yao Man... I feel like you know it was, uh, it was almost like the final couple nails in his coffin but I don't feel like you know and and with the four horsemen's reactions to some of dreams and stuff like that people were pissed at dreams for other things other than the than the whole truck deal right yeah so yeah. dreams was drawing pretty dead and I'm and, and 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 this is just sort of okay icing on the cake but you know, You know, you have the choice here, you know, even if, you know, like you said, Dreams felt like maybe he had a shot and, you know, he, you know, even if Dreams knows that maybe he has no shot or you're in Dreams' situation and you know a little bit more about the situation and you know that you are most likely not only not going to win, you are probably going to lose by a bunch, you know, do you still, you know, you have that choice. It's the choice of, okay, I give it up and I give Yao Man the win and then I just gave up a million dollars on a silver platter to somebody with no shot, or do I keep it and probably not win a million dollars, but at least I have a shot for a million dollars. Like, I don't know how many people, when they logically look at that, are basically going to go, you know, I'm just going to give it away and just come in fourth. Like, that's just, it's just something where, like, a lot of people are like, I don't know, I would have given it up to Yao and, you know, taking the good guy route. It's like, that's, you're you're giving up a shot in the finals. Like, that is really hard to really fathom. So... You know, all that sort of going on, it just seems like, you know, that's that's the whole deal with Yaman. It's exactly the scorpion and the frog. It's like, you know, the beginning of that is that the scorpion's like, I can't get across the water. Can you take me across, frog? And the frog's like, but you're going to sting me to death. Like, Yaman gave Dreams everything. He gave him the car and then said, you have to give me the immunity, but it's your word and it's on you. And it's like, you know... man, gave everything away other than just, you know, a gigantic guilt trip and, you know, uh, emotional manipulation. But like Dreams has the power. Dreams got the car. And then Dreams has the immunity. Dreams can give it up or not. And the play is not to give it up. Like that's literally the play.
3: Not to mention the onus is also not completely on Dreams because, again, even though Dreams decides to keep immunity... There's still a chance of a 2-2 tie being forced, and Yao Man's closest ally in the game, Earl, <laughs> decides to turn on him as well. And Earl is fully uh, cognizant of that, and he admits going back to camp, like, oh man, the jury might rake me over the coals with that one. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the one-two punch, I feel like, is dreams, they come, going back on his word, and then follow that up with his best ally voting him out of the game.
0: Well, yeah, and it's interesting. This is a people thing. People wouldn't remember unless they've watched this season recently. In Yao Man's final words, he doesn't rail against dreams. He's mad that Earl voted for him. I thought that was interesting. Like his first instinct isn't, "Wow, dreams, you horrible person." It's like,
1: I found the lemon tree.
0: I can't believe Earl voted for me. (laughs) Because if you notice, Yao Man didn't vote for Earl there. No, he voted for Cassandra. Yeah. So that's, that's who Yao Man is kind of upset with. He's like, Earl and I had this deal. We were not going to vote for each other. So how did that happen? And when they go back to camp, that's, again, what Earl is saying, too. He's like, I'm going to get crucified. I turned on Yao Man. And Dreams, of course, in the saddest little pitiful voice possible, says, I'm going to get crucified, too, or something like that. Like, it's just, Dreams is wrecked. And it's
3: just horrible to
0: watch this if you watch it from his perspective.
3: So should should we send off Yao man in style?
1: I found the lemon tree. 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 I found the lemon tree.
2: With boobs no, I'm, yes. I'm sure I'm sure the lemon tree has uh, has played it a, a bunch of times. Yeah, right that now. we
4: yeah, Tim, a little silence in there
0: for the lemon tree. I know. Tim just played it ten times in a row and he's gonna make us look like idiots.
3: Tiny I mean,
0: piece of shit.
3: We we can't say enough about how big of a fan favorite Yao Man was. I mean, I I'd say he's probably one of the biggest, like in his first season, one of the biggest fan favorites in the community. And again, this was a, this was an ever shrinking community season by season, but Yao Man like Flared up in popularity as soon as the season started, and we don't usually get like the the old kooky characters making their way to the end game, let alone have a shot of winning and becoming a possible winner should they make it to the final three. But Yamam was becoming a legitimate contender as well, which I think even bolstered his popularity. I mean, he's he definitely has one of my favorite. Character arcs, in terms of again, a very underestimated person who not only makes it to the end, but completely snows a lot of people. He finds idols, he blindsides people, he beasts all these buff guys and challenges just by using science. So, I mean, I, I personally feel like even though Dreams has a huge effect on the moral quandaries at the end of the season, Yao Man completely makes Survivor Fiji, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Had he won, he's like a top three winner of all time. That's the thing. He was so popular at the time. In fact, this whole era was really kind of in it. People think about this era as being weak, but they were producing these big name characters season after season. Like Tom Westman was a big fan favorite. Ian was a big fan favorite. You have Sari coming out. Ian was a big fan
2: favorite. I don't know about that.
0: You don't think so? No. All right. We already finished Palau. We can talk about that. I later. mean, I <laughs> mean, he was
2: a fan favorite, but if you're yeah. going to like mention like the all-timers, you need to leave Ian off that list.
0: Okay. So we got Tom. We got Suri. Yeah. And then last season, we had Yule, who, again, I have a point. It was in People Magazine yeah, as, like, yeah, the Sexiest yeah. Man Alive. Uh-huh. So then you got uh, Yao Man. Like, they were producing these yep. big, top-tier characters during this runoff. And then next we're season with China, we're I mean, James, James, James Clement like- was very popular. So they were producing these big ones. And I would say Yao Man might have been the most popular of all of those.
2: I mean, it was a big deal. He's, he's a no brainer to come back for the for the for the person of Fiji to come back. I mean, Yao Man is going to come back. We've had these characters like Stephanie and like Rupert that are, you know, they, you know, they're the most popular by, you know, certain percentages or votes or metrics or something like that. But Yao Man was insanely popular to to discredit him and say, well, you know, he wasn't as popular as, say, Rupert at his prime or blah, blah. blah. It's like, no no, no, yeah, I know. But Yao Man was huge. He was absolutely huge.
0: Is it even debatable that that Earl could have beaten him?
2: Uh, I think you can you could perhaps make a case, but I don't I don't know. I think I I feel like if Yaman's in the end, Yao Man wins. Yeah, yeah it's-
3: it's, especially because he had he set up obstacles for himself in the final three rounds, and if he was able if he was able to climb over those obstacles, that just makes his resume even larger. To say, hey, I made this deal, and I was still I had to survive three rounds with a huge target on my back, and I was still able to. Whereas Earl didn't have to. Yeah.
0: It's funny, I, can, I don't know if this is true or not, but I can imagine a scenario where Earl gets to the end against Yao Man and Yao Man becomes the first 9-0 winner. <laughs> like, Yao Man, I think he absolutely dominates anybody yeah, at the end.
3: That's what I said before, I think Earl came very close to becoming the first version of a Stephen Fishback, and luckily because this deal happened and, and Dream decided to go back on his word, that, that outcome didn't happen for another four seasons.
0: Yep, and of course we will never forget the most famous Yao Man quote of them all, which was. I
1: found the lemon tree.
0: Oh, I'm really glad Tim didn't overdub me and put the lemon tree in that one. Well, you know, you also have to remember
2: as well. You know, the old man, and I mean, and, and Yao is not like old, 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 old. I mean, he was like in his mid-fifties, which I guess in Survivor standards does make you old. But I mean, you know, you look back. You know, Rudy is kind of our our prototype. You know, old man sort of a uh, character, and you know, you think about Rudy yeah, he was there, he was competitive, you know, he wasn't like a total, you know, washout in all of these challenges. But, you know, Rudy was not a challenge beast by any imagination. Like, he was there and he tried and did all right, you know. But, like, Yao Man won immunities, you know, he won challenges, He, he beat, you know, and even when his tribe didn't win in those early tribal challenges, he was winning his individual portions and things like that. Like, Yao Man could survive on the island he was well liked by his by by the people out there and he was good in challenges you know as the thing like yao man was the entire package also being a great television character
0: yeah again basically bob just stole his thunder a couple seasons later that yao man was the prototype type of bob and bob got the win that yao man should have had basically that's yeah. how i look at it. i mean i like i love bob but yao man did it better yeah, that's. I mean, again, I, I have nothing bad to say about Yao Man. I'm good friends with him. He's, he's very nice to all the fan, fans in the Survivor community. Anybody who writes about Survivor, he's always writes them. He makes friends with them. He offers them advice or support or inside information. Even when he's uh, a lot of people don't know this, but when he went back for fans versus favorites for his second time, he was trying to figure out how to get an advantage over the other players. So he bought the Psychology of Survivor book, which is the book that I wrote a couple chapters for, and he actually got in contact with me. He's like, oh, Mr. Lanza, I just wanted to write to you. My name's Yao Man. And, like, of course I know who you are. You have to introduce <laughs> yourself. I know, I know you, Yao Man. But he's like, it's funny. It's like, like like, I would have no idea who he was. He's like, well, my name is Yao Man Chan, and I'm a contestant on Survivor. I'm like, yeah, no shit. You're the best player ever. But, yeah, so we made a friendship over that, and I, I tried to give him some advice on fans versus favorites. I'm like, go stick with the under-the-radar females, the young under the radar females who are no threat are always going to dominate in those seasons. So just find out who those people are and make friends with them. And naturally he didn't do that. He decided to make enemies with Suri right off the bat. And I, I tease him about that, but yeah, he's been a good friend to mine over the years. He's a very nice guy. He's exactly what you expect him to be. He's I got nothing bad to say about him. He's one of my all time favorite survivors.
4: Yeah. He's awesome. Um, when, when I was um, showing my wife, Alice, um, all, you know, she binge watched pretty much every season of survivor up until, um, I don't know, 24, season 24, I think, um, in the course of, like, one semester pretty much. And we had just finished Fiji, like, the day before her birthday or something. And so I messaged Yao Man on Facebook, could you, like, send a happy birthday wish to my wife? We just watched Fiji. She, like, loved you. And he did that on her birthday. And um, so that, like, really, like, made her happy. And then she's like, we're, we're going to start Micronesia, like, soon because we'd already finished, like, China at that point or something. And she's like, hope you do well. <laughs>
0: The funny thing, I, I you know as much as I hate that, or I love that, I found a lemon tree quote. Uh, Yao Man, people ask him to say that all the time. And I even have a picture of him holding up a sign that says, I found a lemon tree. But the funniest thing is he doesn't know why that's funny. I don't think he realizes he said it in the episode and that it's like a big survivor thing. So uh, I'll see if we can get Tim to put that as the, the thumbnail for this the podcast of Yao Man holding up a sign that says, I found a lemon tree. But that's the funny thing. He has no idea why that's funny or why people ask him to say that, which is, I just find that cute, very cute.
3: And I assume that Lemon Tree was burned down with the rest of the camp on day 39. So, so let's, That's right, fire
0: sale. So let's go. So we get, basically
2: get to, you know, the, the, they have a little moment after the Tribal Council where, like, Dreams and Yorul are like, oh, I don't know about this, blah, blah, blah. But they wake up the next morning, spirits are lifted because, uh, you know, they, they get a package, they go out, and there's some food, and then they airdrop the other food, which seems really excessive. Yeah, normally, there's, a, yeah there's,
3: there's, with, a nice, there's a nice little comic scene, though, where Earl, like, puts on the goofy flippers and has to wade out into the ocean to go grab it.
2: Yeah, they, they seem really put out by this. Like, Cassandra and Drew, like, they're just like, yay, food. Oh, wait. You know, and it what it's a fun scene because, like, they draw the X in the sand. And they, like, drop it here. And it's like it's an airdrop. Of course, it's not going to land right there, right? You know, <laughs> so it lands in the water. And you're like, Earl's like, they missed the X, <laughs> which is kind of fun. But
0: then they got to it makes me wish that Sean Rector was there in the final three. He's like, oh, great, his three brothers. They don't even drop it here on the
3: beach. Make us go swim for it. Oh, I so, thought you were going to say you wish Big Tom was there so he could stick a feather in his ass to distract the plane to drop it on the beach.
2: But you can see, like, they have a gigantic feast with the food, and they're talking about that. And then there's a nice little scene where Earl's basically like, I'm going to burn everything. And he's like, I'm going to burn these palm fronds that I had to go. And your Dreams back on going, burn, you know, <laughs> which I love. He's just like, I'm going to burn that log over there.
3: Burn. This- yeah, Dreams is like a hype man for Earl at this yeah, point. Yeah, he's good
2: <laughs> You know, and, then we're, we're, and then what i love is that you know then dreams is like everything must go we're gonna have a liquidation sale and then earl like turns toward the camera and goes we're gonna have a fire sale Yeah, like <laughs> i tobias, love that like tobias funke would say
0: oh the burning <laughs> <laughs> we're having a fire sale
2: so yes. you know then we get scenes of all of them you know talking about you know their thoughts going in there like cassandra's like i'm gonna you know talk about me and i'm accomplished a lot and then we get dreams, you know, just talking dreams, things, you know. But then we get Earl talking about Earl things, which is complete with Earl climbing something yeah. and a helicopter shot. It's
0: the 100th helicopter shot of the season, if you're p- keeping track. But
3: well, that helicopter is Earl. still is still covered in mud from that reward. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just
2: old
0: choppy here
2: up here flying my chopper. <laughs> old choppy is like hunting Earl down because he's like, uh, excuse me, someone needs to pay for the mud damage that <laughs> is <it> in there. <laughs> In the back of my thing. So basically we get that, but we get to final tribal council right away and we get our jury going in there. And then we get our final tribal council, which this isn't the best tribal council on planet Earth, but this yes, isn't the is. worst. Yes, there, it is. This is pretty good. This is a good one. There is some this
0: is a, this is a rough one. But <laughs> well, you know how many Yeah, you know how many people I hear tell me. Fiji's okay, but I can't get past that final tribal council. It's too ugly and it ruins the Wow, no, oh,
3: this
2: is
0: great. Yeah, I was watching it today. I'm like, it's not, I mean, it's nasty, but there's been nastier ones in Survivor history. And we'll talk to, yeah, we'll talk about the Lisi thing. That's a big misinterpretation, I think. We'll get to that in a second.
2: Well, I mean, we, I think we've already covered Lisi. I mean, we're going to cover it. Paul has got Lisi unlocked. I was going to
4: say, uh, don't tell me that we've already covered no, it. No, no,
2: no, no. We haven't covered Lisi's final, but I think we've also covered Lisi because I believe her final Tribal Council statement is literally consistent with my theory that Lisi literally just wandered onto the set. <laughs> like, if, 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 you, if you watch Lisi's final Tribal Council speech with the thing of Lisi literally just happenstanced upon this game of Survivor, it makes total sense. But they basically talk in there, and Cassandra's like, hey, I'm proud to be here. And Earl's just basically like, I'm Earl, vote me a million dollars. And then Dreams is like, you know me. Oh, you do? Okay. inspire. I inspire kids. Commence with the beatdown. And so (laughs) then they go. Who's first? Michelle. Sorry, sorry, Michelle. It's Michelle first, right? So Michelle comes on and is like, what's up, guys? And then she just asks, like, What's her? It's like, what is the, the biggest hardship you face? The biggest hardship you face, like sleeping in the mud or something. Ha ha, tee hee. Like, it's like this weird softball of a question that is like nonsensical compared to like basically what everyone else is going to bring to the plate.
3: But then Cassandra answers, like, oh, well, I didn't, I was overcoming my, you know, my ability to learn how to swim. And then Michelle kind of snipes back, like, oh, so your fear of swimming is why I should vote for you to get a million dollars. And you're like, oh, <laughs> Michelle, you, you're a little tart there.
4: And then Cassandra says she also had to overcome the fear of making alliances.
2: Yeah. That's <laughs> wow. good. So the next person's Edgardo, right? And this is this this is literally I don't know. I I feel like Final Trouble Council as survivor has gone through the years. You know, people always pinpoint, you know, why do you like Older seasons better than newer seasons. Like people hamming it up in, in Final Tribal Council is not a modern survivor thing. People have been doing it since the dawn of man. But I feel like again, it's this whole like playing for coming back. So like if you're a juror, you know, if you've got a memorable Final Tribal Council moment, like maybe people will remember that and, you know, that you get invited to a new season. I, I get the game. I'm I don't I don't hate the game. It's just, you know. Sometimes I hate that, I guess. But like what I love is Edgardo does not mince words. And what I love about it is it tells you everything about final tribal council in like literally one sentence. He just gets up there and he says dreams or he says Earl, who told you about our hidden immunity idol? And Earl just looks and says, well, Dreams did. And Edgardo's like, that's it, I'm good. It sits yeah. down. It's the best. And at that yeah. point, you're like, oh, Rip and Pepper's Dreams. And Cassandra's <laughs> not winning. Like, you sort of knew Earl was going to win going into Final travel Council. But, like, Edgardo basically tells you in, like, ten seconds what's happening.
0: Well, that's the thing. As much as a beating as Dreams takes here, like, a lot of people said, oh, it's, it was unfair, it's racially motivated. But there was very legitimate reasons for people to hate Dreams. <laughs> like he, he shouldn't have won and yeah like you yeah, said Egardo yeah. totally sums it up and Mookie comes right up and says the exact same thing why did you tell us we had, why did you tell them we had the idol dreams so well, it's like it's, it, all the
3: again, again this is fantastic going back to what we said at the beginning of the podcast it's again dreams is weird semantics going on where he says you know I, would you consider what you did to us a betrayal and Tripp says no it's not betrayal it's just lying <laughs> it's, just a, it's a con it's a deceit and, and mookie's like yeah. That, that's betrayal. Just, yeah. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Bye. No, and, no vote for you.
2: I love it that it was to two different people. Like, Edgardo comes up and says, Earl, who told you about the idol? And Earl's like, Dreams did. So then Mookie comes up and says, Dreams, did you tell them about the idol and Dreams? is like, well, yeah. And then he's like, so you betrayed us. I didn't betray you. And it's like, in theory, if you're Dreams, you, you make this out by saying, like, yeah, I was allied with you, but I was on the outs, and so I made a new alliance. And so, yeah, I betrayed you, but it was a game move. But that's not how dreams phrases it unfortunately yeah. so you know it's basically like so you betrayed us and he's like i didn't betray you i lied and conned and mookie's like that's betrayal and then dreams is like if if that's what you consider betrayal then i guess and it's like oh dreams you have you have not dug your hole correctly here like this is this this is this is not good for you and it so yeah
0: it depends on what your definition of the word is is
5: yeah
2: it's not good, so then we get to uh, didn't they just go and boot, order? isn't Alex next then?
0: yeah, Alex comes up and with his badgering question, oh, so oh boy this
2: this is this God. is not this is not the one I mean, he comes up there and he goes to Cassandra first, right, and then he, yep.
0: they just hate Cassandra for some reason,
2: well, th- again, this is the whole thing where I feel like people didn't like Cassandra out there, yeah um yeah and and we just didn't see it because it wasn't relevant to the stories that they were telling. But you can just tell that nobody liked Cassandra. And God, what was his question to her even?
3: He says uh, the shoes, right? Is it the water des- shoes? Please describe a moment that you grappled with nope. maintaining your integrity.
0: No. Yeah, yeah, that's it. At least he asked about the shoes.
3: And she says, "I I walked in on- early on in the game, oh, and a in she- in conversation you had with Boo about like getting rid of me, <laughs> and I had to decide whether to stay to go." And Alex says. Okay, so he, he tries to lawyer it up, but he just, again, comes off like a smug douche nozzle. He says, okay, so either, one, you're lying, or two, you are emotionless because you forgot to mention emotionally manipulating Stacy into being close to you only to get rid of her two votes later, which, again, there might have been some emotional manipulation going on with Stacey, really unlikely considering how much they hated each other at the beginning, but, again, Mr. Semantic's lawyer over here Cassandra did not vote Stacy out. She did yeah. not betray She Stacey. voted for Yao Man and that Yao vote. Man played an idol. Cassandra was with Stacy. She, pl- she probably wanted to take Stacy to the end. She in no way betrayed Stacy whatsoever or even lied to her by Dreams' definition.
0: Lawyered. <laughs>
4: oh, stop Lord. talking. You know, it, <laughs> yeah.
2: and the thing is, is that, you know, th- this is reading your, your Tribal Council audience because, yes, Alex is wrong in this sense and he's just, he's going on a vindictive thing. And I mean literally at this point it's almost like do you remember the uh all-stars commentary like the boston rob part where like if you listen to the commentary dvd on the dvd of um it's forever all stars during the final Tribal council where like people are really bitching at boston rob and like really just you know laying into him and rob was like i just wanted to look at him and go so that's a no so you're gonna not vote for me you know and it's like at this point like cassandra just needs to look at Alex, alex and go okay so you're not voting for me let's move on but the problem is, is that alex is trying to get his his piece in right so he's just he's he's douche lawyering it up and then cassandra tries to interject with something and alex doesn't want her to interject and it just gets
5: mm-hmm.
2: it gets bad and and the and the thing is is that yes alex is very rudely shutting her down and at some point he's like you need to stop talking you need to stop talking and it's this whole thing where she's trying to She's trying to, you know, get a word in edgewise and, you know, get her point across and, you know, sort of demonstrate some sort of power in this conversation. But Alex is basically, saying, no, you don't get to talk. You don't get to talk. I'm the one here you don't get to talk. Do I need having Gardo translated into Spanish? You don't get to talk. And, and the thing is, is that Alex comes off way douchier in this situation than, than Cassandra does by far. But by the same token, people, if you're going to go out there on Survivor in the final Tribal council and someone wants you to stop talking as, as a
0: jury member, stop talking.
2: It's, yeah, not yeah, gonna, it, it's not gonna it, help you well
0: that whole thing is just seems like irrelevant because cassandra is not important to this final vote at all it just seems <laughs> interesting they leave that all in like it's just gratuitous alex being mean to cassandra that makes no difference whatsoever to anything
2: that's that's and, also an excellent point because you know that all these final travel councils and all these seasons are like three times as long as what we see
0: yeah you know because yeah. like when they come
2: up and they're like i have a question for you know earl and it's Earl only. It's like they probably had a question for everyone. It just they only showed you the one. So you're yeah. right. They, they left that. Odd,
0: yeah, it's an odd storytelling
3: thing. And the Edgardo translate uh, the statement for me is it might come out a little bit of, of nowhere on the broadcast. But apparently uh, back in old moto, all the uh, all the Hispanic contestants used to talk in Spanish to each other. Uh, and apparently, like, Cassandra had a voting confessional when she voted for Lisi at that first Moto Tribal Council where she mentions that and how she was getting really aggravated because she couldn't understand, much like Elaine in the nail salon, she couldn't understand what they were saying and whether they were talking bad about her. And so Alex saying that is kind of a poke at Cassandra, apparently, saying, like, oh, you hated that we talk Spanish in front of each other? Well, let me, you know, lampshade that a little bit while throwing you under the bus.
0: How do you say mm-hmm in Spanish? Is it like <laughs> C-E? Wow. <laughs>
3: Wow. Yeah,
4: you got it. Spot on. That's right.
2: So basically, Alex is like, well, Cassandra and I are voting for you. And, you know, he's a horseman, so he's clearly not voting for Dreams, which is fun. Is Lisey next? Oh, yeah. Lisey, Paul. We can't,
4: we, we <laughs> can't top that, can we? This Lisey speech is just gold. I don't know if I mentioned this before. When the season first aired, there was a girl that I had. We both were teacher aides together. Um. So we spent a lot of our time, this is junior year of high school, so we spent a lot of time just like goofing off and not actually doing our work or anything. And I would show her clips of Lisey, and we had so many Lisi inside jokes, even though she did not watch Survivor at all, but we loved just to quote the final tribal council. And so at one point I did have this, I, I, I pretty much do have it memorized, but I did pull it up here to make sure we get every every great detail of Lisi's speech. So she, she hops down and goes, whew. All right, let's see. Um, Eeny, meeny, miny, moe, catch a liar by the toe. If he hollers, let him go. Not really. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Cassandra, can I see your water shoes? (laughs) And then apprehensively, Cassandra, sure. And she, uh, you know, kicks up her shoe. Lisey, all right, those are the worst looking water shoes I've ever seen. It's just telling me that you were completely unprepared to play this game. Would you agree with that? And then Cassandra, I think, actually handles this pretty well. And he goes, no, it's day 39 and I'm still here and my shoes are still here. And and Lise tries it. Out. No, okay. Cassandra finishes. That's all I can say. I don't see the relevance in the question. <laughs> is lisa, that where gives the, the wtf yeah, look like, WTF what the hell totally. are you talking about but lisa explains herself here i mean she really like you know after lisa explains this you go oh i get it now she says i brought up the shoes because you were in over your head so i'm thinking for 39 days she made it because greed i think <laughs> greed is really what fueled everything would you agree with that yes or no Cassandra, no, I don't believe that. I mean, I'm not surprised to hear that comment from you. My purpose for being on the island was to prove some things to myself. Lisey, so greed never propelled you? Cassandra, greed never propelled me. So what did? What did? Your love of the outdoors? And (laughs) um, But then this is one thing. It's like at this point, Cassandra's kind of winning. She's got it. She's got it. She's got it. And then she says, of course, wanting to win a million dollars like everyone else. Yes, very fair statement but what was that what was that uh huh oh what say that one more time hey we all did things hey 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 we all try to get them in hey hey we're playing here we're playing dreams and then uh we <laughs> shuffle over to dreams i want to know how many zeros are in a million dream says six enough to keep somebody's life running and to help a lot of people Lisi, say that one more time enough to keep someone's life uh, about the zeros six good good and then i love when dreams because what do you think i'm stupid hey it's a question i'm part of the jury this is part of my game just like you played your game and you do what you have to do in the game i get that opportunity too okay and then she gets into this weird thing talking about earl and calling earl out for the face that he made um i won't go through the whole uh rebuttal of that part uh, that part but god i love Lisi. oh
3: my god only Lacy would yeah. in- Unintentionally make a racist reference to three African American finalists in her jury yeah. speech.
0: Yeah, let's let's go into that because a lot of people don't know that or misinterpret that. The eny meeny miny mo. When that w- that one when er- when that originally came out, that was eeny meeny miny mo catch an N-word by the toe. It's a very racist rhyme from way back in the day. And a lot of people have said. Lisey is a horrible racist, like, I can't watch this, this is so ridiculous. <clears throat> I I have to defend Lisi in this instance. There's no way she knew the etymology of that rhyme. I mean, no. <laughs> I've studied language my whole life. I've studied etymology, linguistic stuff. I had no idea that was a racist line. The only time I've ever heard that used in a racist way is in Pulp Fiction. When uh, Marcellus and Butch are trapped, Maynard comes up to them and does Eeny, meeny, miny, moe, catch an N-word by the toe. I always assume that was just Tarantino just doing Tarantino things because he likes using the N-word. And I, it's a whole different argument if he should be doing that. But that's just a Quentin Tarantino thing. I had no idea that's how that rhyme originally went. So when Lisey comes up there and does eeny, meeny, miny, moe, yeah, it's a, it's an originally a racist thing. But again, there's no way that she knew that was a racist thing. So I have to defend her in that one. And I hear so much criticism of this over the years that, oh, Lisey's racist, she used the racist thing to describe them. I'm like, you know, there's a lot of things you could say about Lisi, you know, she's not nice. She's not very cultured. She's very crude and rude, and just really not a mean person. But a uh, a student of linguistics and, and and word etymology, she is not. So there's no way that she knew the origins of that phrase.
3: Yeah, if she was really making a bold statement, she completely invalidated it by following it up with Cassandra. What? Are, let me see your water <laughs> shoes. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I again I hate to defend Lisi, but I have to on that one. That is a ridiculous argument to think that she even knew that. Speak for yourself. I will not defend her. But by the, the by the same token, though this whole
2: speech is is happening, this whole tribal council speech, and I'm watching it, you know, in preparation for this podcast. My wife like walks in the room, and she literally stops what she's doing and like starts staring at the screen during just this whole thing with the water shoes and the no no, and then uh, the, the the dreams thing with the million. And like, she just looks at me and she just says, look, and I'm just like, it's, it's Lisey. She just wandered onto the set and she's not sober. It's just, it's what, it's what it is. Right. And I mean, it's, you know, the fact that you just kind of go, well, that's Lisey. Like she just wanders in and she just, you know, they were like, you get to make a speech and you get to like say your piece to him. And she was just like, all right, here we go.
0: Well, my favorite thing about that scene, I don't know if I'm reading this incorrectly or not, but when Lisey asks how many zeros are in a million, Dream says six correctly, Lisey gets this look on her face like he's wrong. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, and she looks over at the jury, and I, I th- don't know if she knew the answer to that question. <laughs> just something little. I don't know if that's true or not. Just something I was interpreted. By the way, Tim, for the stinger of this episode, just put Paul doing Lisey's speech in its entirety. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Paul does a dramatic reading of Lisey Linares.
2: So then, um, well, we have we have Stacy and Boo and Yao to go, right? Yeah, we, yeah, we, have, sh- we have
3: we have we have Rocky after Stacy. Oh, yeah,
2: Rocky, I'm the King
3: biggest
0: King. kicker because
2: I like it. Yeah, and he's, he's talking about you know, he wants he wants a big manipulative move, right? And Cassandra's like, Well, I'm very nice to everybody, and Rocky's <laughs> like, That's not answering my question. You either answer my question, I'm moving on, and then Cassandra says something, and he's like, All right, next one. <laughs>
3: I love, yeah, only Rocky could bully people through his questions on a survivor jury.
0: Yeah, my question to you is, why does Anthony suck so much?
3: (laughs) If you answer wrong, I'm going to hit you in the face with a burning stick.
0: All right, let's get to Yao. Yao's the only interesting yeah, real stay, question stay here. Stay
3: though, yeah, no, Boo. No, 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 Boo does play the, the Christian card a lot here. I think I heard the word Christian more times in five minutes than I did through the entirety of Survivor well, South yeah, Pacific.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Boo just basically goes to Dreams. Like, Boo is, is hung up on Dreams and the Yao Man thing, because Boo basically makes the argument that we're all <laughs> thinking here. He's like, Boo just basically says, I'd like to start off by saying that Yao Man was the best, and Dreams, you really screwed him, and I want to know why. You know, so Boo really is sort of attacking Dreams on the truck gate. You know, you sort of get the feeling that people didn't like Dreams for other reasons, but Boo really gets to Truck Gate. But then we get to Yao Man, and Yao Man basically says, Dreams, I'm sorry, bro. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Because I am 54, I don't have testosterone, overload poisoning my brain. Enjoy the truck, Dreams, don't feel guilty.
1: I found the lemon
0: tree. Which is a very very mature way to say it. I just appreciated the way he said that. He could have made Dreams feel so bad.
3: but, but, But... but by the kidding. same
2: token, yeah, then then he basically says, "So now I'm gonna give you a chance to admit that you changed your mind,
3: yeah, and dreams does not take that bait. <laughs> well, how would you have answered that, Mike? I mean, I would have said, look, I, I, I don't know, i I just think there's a better answer than no, I was playing you the entire time because I think, yeah, I think the impression that pe- a lot of people had from dreams is that he's clueless and that he's a huge wild card, and I think dreams. Saying this is just promoting that stereotype more and more that he just, it, even when he was given direct power into the game, he was still delusional about it. And he still abused that power to make it believe like he was the one in charge when really he was just making a decision on the fly. So I feel like if you're trying to explain your game decisions, ironically, by explaining it was a game decision, you undo the fact that it was a game decision in the first place.
2: Yeah, I feel like Yao Man, even with that, gives, 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 dreams not a very good question and i'm not saying that he was trying to like he was trying to give dreams a softball but he's basically like dreams i'm sorry enjoy the truck now i'm going to give you an impossible thing because i think you're right i think if dreams basically says yeah you know I, i changed it on the fly i'm sorry then everyone's like well see dreams he's just one of those guys that changes it on the fly but then dreams is like no man i played you the whole time i was planning on you know i was never planning on giving you the uh the immunity i was i was going to keep it for myself the whole time sucker ha 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 it's like then everyone's like oh wow jeez what a jerk you know like e- either way dreams didn't win there
3: yeah or i mean, and earl gives a perfectly great answer here where yao says Earl, why did you vote for me? And Earl says you would have won if you made it to the end. And it's not an untrue statement, albeit it's a little cutthroat. Dreams could have made a very similar positioning. You could have said, like, look, I realized the more I thought about it that you made this, you made this offer for a reason, and that you were a big threat to win in the end. And I knew I had a better shot of a million dollars than having a guaranteed car, but not winning a million dollars at the same time. You know, I feel like. There are several different angles you could have. You could have just pulled what we're going to see next season with Todd and John Robert, and say you were too big of a threat, and try to fluff him up in that regard.
0: Yeah, yeah. What's interesting is something that Yao says about uh, a <clears throat> about dreams during the reunion show. That Yao is, you know, Yao says, you know, dreams isn't stupid. He's got flashes of genius, but he has very undisciplined thinking. It's just he can't focus his arguments. He can't focus what he's trying to say. But there's flashes of genius in there, and that's that's a very profound thing for a college professor to say because that's what higher education is about, is disciplining your thinking, disciplining your thoughts, just focusing, being able to do that. So right there, I mean, that's the difference between Dreams and Earl. Earl has you know, a higher education, he's had all this schooling, he knows how to focus his arguments and discipline his thoughts, and Dreams of course is just all over the place. And Yeah, exactly, Dreams could have made the exact same argument that Earl did, just Earl just is better with his words. Alright, we get to the final here. Yeah, and yeah, we get so, to the final, so
2: we get to voting, and we don't see anyone holding up their card because it's all for Earl.
3: Yeah, yeah, and Earl, all- is, Earl is even not surprised at this at all. When he wins, he's very—he's even wearing like a casual, like short sleeve button down shirt. He just kind of stands up and says, "Yay!" His hands go up, but <laughs> in very calm Earl fashion, he saunters into the audience, very much the opposite of Chris Doherty's fuck yeah, fist pump, and run into the audience. Uh, Which, again, is is Earl, but Earl was also... He admits in the reunion, as soon as Dreams didn't give up immunity, he basically saw dollar signs at that point.
0: And again, I can't overlook the fact that when we cut to the live reunion show, the first thing you see is an I love Mookie sign out in the audience. Because that was the overwhelming fan opinion at the time. Mookie, the big fan favorite. All right, yeah, so you get to the reunion show. Earl wins. The first unanimous winner in show's history... You know, it's a big deal, but again, as we've said, there's so much more to a season than the winner. It's the, it's fantastic the Earl won. I think it was great that he won, but really, this was Yao Man's season. He was the star. And I'm not taking anything away from Earl as a winner. It just, I look at seasons differently than winners and strategy. I look at them as character-based, and that was absolutely the Yao Man season.
2: Yeah, it was a one-two punch.
0: I mean, I think that had
2: Dreams given Yao Man the immunity necklace and Yao Man goes and cruises to the victory, yes, this is just the Yao Man season and that's it. But I think that with the way it played out, it's the Yao Man slash Earl season with Yao be, probably being the bigger character. and clearly is the bigger character that came out of it. But don't slouch on Earl. Like Earl yeah. had some really nice moments uh, character wise, you know, and, 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 you know, he's someone that I sort of had to be sold on in a lot of ways. Like I remember Earl very fondly and I, I remember Earl having great moments and nice helicopter shots. And, you know, it, when people talk about great winners, I always mention Earl you know, and not just for 9-0, but just for the fact that Earl, you know, had, knew enough that was going around, he limited his mistakes, and, you know, he just seemed to get along with everyone and sort of have his finger on the pulse as to what was going on. And to me, that's, you know, a lot of great cores on how to do well in Survivor, and yeah. Earl does them very, very well. But by the same token, you know, going back and watching the season, there's a lot of sneaky fun moments with Earl. Like, Earl's yeah. got some really good moments in there, and so I feel like when Earl's like, "Ah, oh, Earl's
0: just a player and blah, blah, it's like, eh,
3: not." no. Earl's got some good moments.
0: And again, he had never seen the show before. That's what I love about it.
3: Yeah, and Earl was, I feel like, was the definition of a smooth operator. Yeah, I mean, he he was just very, as, as much as he might say, like, I was angry about, you know, getting blindsided or the fact that the split vote didn't go well, like, he just had this really nice grin on his face and he was very affable, and I feel like that did really well for him in the game. And he points out in his final Tribal Council speech that, like, nobody really targeted him uh, except for that one random stray vote that Rita threw to him in episode right, two. He's
4: such a smooth operator that he stays at the final tribal council. He never got a vote cast against him. Yeah, and he, he even convinces Jeff to say that in the reunion that he never got a yeah. vote cast against yeah, him. Yeah, I was thinking that Probe says that. If yeah, I would have been Rita,
3: I would have stood up and shouted, I voted for him. Earl convinced the guy who reads the vote that he didn't <laughs> read a vote that was against Earl. So Earl is just that. He's good. a Jedi. Yeah, he's a Jedi.
0: All right, there's a great moment in the reunion show I got to talk about here. Just, just because I'm the funny 115 guy. There's a, a, they show a clip of all the, uh, all the dreams moments where dreams lies to somebody or goes back on his deal, uh, goes back on his promise, and then they cut back to the live show and all the audience is booing dreams, they're boo, and right in the front of the, of the, the survivors is boo, and he holds up his hand like everybody in the audience is cheering him, and it's just one of these funny little moments you have to kind of see to appreciate that they're all going boo and boo's standing up I'm like yes, thank you, it's just. Just a cute little moment. Just watch for that if you watch the reunion show. Um, so do we have anything else? Uh I got some insider stuff. I got some quotes about dreams. I I basically talked about Probe's quote about dreams and Yao Man's quote about dreams. And and again, which is we can't really overstate this fact that dreams was so incredibly hated at the time. Like people just Was there social media back then? I kind of forget if during Fiji, but. Like, people would just rail on him on the message boards. They hated Dreams. He would get, like, horrible, horrible things written about him. But a lot, like, to the point there was probably some racial component to it. Like, there was just mean stuff written about Dreams. And it's among the meaner I've ever seen the Survivor fan base. Some of the, the stuff that Dreams had to deal with. It was just horrible.
2: So let's talk about this in perspective. So, you know, I think that the season overall is, I mean, obviously it's not remembered well. But to me, it's like... You know, it's, it's a Yao Man Earl season, but you know, there's a lot of things that go on here. I, and, and I think that uh, our insider does talk a little bit about some things with the legacy. And it's something that I do want to bring up because it's, it's, it's not something that I think that we on historians have really spent a ton of time on. But going hand in hand with the um, going hand in hand with the in, with the great drama that was the Yao Man dreams uh, deal at the end. It sort of got lost in the fact that that completely kills the car challenge in Survivor. <laughs>
0: yep. <laughs> it does. Have they had one since? Have they ever had a car one since?
3: No, it's that's when they. I think that's when they started like giving them away. Not, no, they they stopped giving them away as the prize. I think that happened with Suri and Ozzy. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure like I after that happened, I think Ford. Got so negatively associated with that moment that they said, "Okay, no, we're done. We're, 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 <laughs> we're we we might be racist, but we're pulling out yeah, a sponsorship." Exactly, racism yeah,
4: wasn't the final straw, but being ungrateful for our car, yes.
0: <laughs> Dreams trumps racism. So yeah, yeah, and in fact, that's something our insider wrote in the email that Ford was absolutely pissed. They were so ticked off that their wonderful product caused this huge controversy. So yeah, it basically killed the card challenge. No, I mean,
3: I guess it makes sense too because after Yao Man kind of uh, puts a new permutation on how the card challenge can go, it's gonna be a while before we see a lot of wheeling and dealing when it comes to challenges. But can you imagine if there were card challenges today? Like, imagine what Russell Hans would have done with the card challenge. What what sort of deals he would have attempted to make? Like, it would just have been ridiculous so at least i'm glad they sort of nipped it in the bud right there even if it did deprive us of car challenges for the rest of survivors entirety
0: yeah
2: well and also that the car becomes this weird self-fulfilling prophecy and you know that's that's how it goes and you know it's the whole they, they started talking about the car curse right you know like oh you, you win the car you don't win the season and you know then they had the thing in guatemala with cindy where they were like oh maybe you can reverse the car curse by giving everyone else a car And I mean, they try that and I mean, then they bring the car back here and it's this Ford truck and, you know, it's Yao Man and Dreams with this weird deal and negotiating wheeling and dealing and neither of them win the season. I mean, at that point, you know, you just got to basically go, you know, this car thing's not working out like it's just.
0: I still can't get over the image of Yao Man driving that big old gas guzzler through Berkeley. Like that thing would be key the very first day, like get a hybrid, you bastard.
3: Well, he would he would sell it, assumingly. And I, I, who knows? Dreams might have sold his car. They talk about the, the net worth of it. Uh, and I know another reality shows like Amazing Race, for example, they win cars all the time and they usually just sell them off to get the cash. So I don't even know what the, the street life of that Ford F350 was at the end of the day. Yeah,
2: I, and, you know, and that's that's the unfortunate reality. And I don't want to go too long into it. We're running pretty long in this podcast as it is. But, you know, that's that's the whole thing. It's, it's always nice when you win a car on a on a, on a show of some sort. But, you know, you win the car, then you have to pay for the car. You have to pay taxes on the car. You have to, you know, it's just like the money, right? Like, you you win a million dollars, you have to pay taxes on that million. You win a car, you have to pay taxes on the car. And, you know, that's the whole, like, when Oprah had that, you know, show where, like, everyone in the audience needed a car, and so everyone got a car. And, you know, a lot of the can, people that were in the audience during the Oprah show had to basically sell their cars because they couldn't afford to pay for them, you know? And, and you know... It, That's that's how it goes. And my cousin, actually, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before. My cousin actually won a showcase showdown on The Price is Right. Um, He was just out of high school, like he and his friends graduated high school. They lived in Oregon and they drove down to L.A. and they went on The Price is Right because, you know, hey, that's what you do. And he ended up on a game. He didn't win his little game. And then he got on the showcase showdown because he spun the wheel closest to the dollar and he won the showcase and part of his winnings, he won like a glass bottom boat. <laughs> wow. And it's like, you know, you know he's, an, he's, yeah, he's an outdoorsman, right? Like, you know, he goes and he was a river rafting guide, you know, up in Oregon for a lot of times, but that's not glass bottom boat territory, you know, and he you know, you're just given this boat and it's like, they don't care. You just get this boat. Okay, you deal with it, you know, and it's like, he then gets this boat that he has to house and store and pay taxes on. So it's like, most of those things you just sell anyway.
3: Yep.
0: This week on First World Problems podcast. Right, exactly. I <laughs> but,
3: but, but getting back right. to, the, to the Survivor Fiji discussion. So, I mean, I would say this is one of those weird seasons where it vastly improves on a rewatch. Yeah. Um, I, I still think, I mean, it's definitely out of my bottom five right now. I'd say probably out of my bottom 10 as well uh i think there are definitely some sticking points mario you you disagree but i'm not a fan of the have have not twists i feel like there are a lot of red shirts that go in the first five episodes those first five episodes and like the the mookie and alex boots are not really great episodes but that middle stretch from episodes like six to ten and these last two episodes are just really really great television and they really harken back to like an earlier time in survivor where it was strangers figuring out how to deal with each other and play this game which again 14 seasons in was still considered old school so i definitely enjoyed going back to watch this and especially comparing it to the reception at the time which was this season was pretty much universally panned as soon as it ended Uh, especially this this car deal Left a bitter taste in nearly everyone's mouths and everyone's popularity polls. It was always right near the bottom. And we are coming upon probably the first, I'd call, renaissance of Survivor of the one two punch of China and Micronesia, which were two really, really popular seasons from various points of view that will sort of reinvigorate the season creatively. Yeah,
0: just it's the one thing that you see is very consistent over the years with survivors that survivor fans cannot handle when the fan favorite comes really close to the end and gets it taken away from them, and you see that with Marquesis, you see that with this, with the It's just people just get incensed when that happens, and so Fiji it just never never recovered from that. And again, I'll, I'll read our insider email in a second. They talk about that as well but Probes doesn't like that as well because. They came this close to having a yao man win it got taken away and just the fan base revolted about it and they already didn't like the season before that so an unpopular ending like that just was a you know a death blow to this season so yeah yeah, it's unfortunate and
3: and if you had an argument for why the final three works with cook islands it was immediately invalidated by this season you say hey uh, if you wanted to undo your argument of all oh, the fan favorite always gets eliminated in third place well guess what now sometimes the fan favorite will get eliminated in fourth place there is no guarantee that the popular person will make it to the end that's just sort of the way the game works so they had a one season respite but pretty much unless it's a surprise the final three is kind of a dud from here on out yeah
0: see my argument is this season is more like the umpire strikes back you know and again, we're just taking Earl out of the equation altogether. I'm just saying, if you look at this as the Yao Man season, sometimes the good guy doesn't win. Sometimes it just, they, they lose at the end and the bad guys win, and it's like, ha-ha. And like, sometimes that's a better product. The good guy always doesn't have to win in the end, so that's how I look at Fiji. I think it's just too simplistic to say that Yao Man had to win for this to be a good season. I'd like, I think it works perfectly well the other way, too, just in a different way. Do you want me to read my insider stuff here? Do what you need to do, man. All right. I'll do it. All right. Thanks, Ian. All right. So uh, so here's our insider email. I don't have as much stuff on this just because this wasn't as controversial a season. But uh, there is some good stuff. Uh, Basically, it says, you know, Jeff Probst was really excited about the beginning of Fiji because he thought he had a good cast. But everyone in production was really devastated when Melissa McNulty quit. Basically, they had cast only two young, white, hot girls, and one quit before the game started. And then Jessica was out first. And if you know anything about Jeff Probst, that's horrible. That's, he loves the young, cute girls. He loves the big alpha males. That was just a huge death blow. He didn't like that. <clears throat> and then it says, uh, Jeff Probst really enjoyed filming, very, f- enjoyed filming Fiji very much. And he had new life in him because of Cook Islands. And the cast really is very good. That said, it wasn't the same adrenaline rush that Cook Islands was for him, so it was a slight letdown. And then, for the record, this was never going to be a race war season. When casting for Cook Islands, they had encountered a lot more diversity, and they saved many of the recruits from last season for this season. For instance, the casting associate first found Erica in Louisiana while casting for Cook Islands. She didn't make the cut last season, but they saved her for this time. And here's the the more... Big picture stuff. Anyway, Jeff largely enjoyed Fiji, which turned out to be well cast. His problem, as usual, was with the boot order. As you can imagine, Cassandra isn't his type of player, and she went to the end. And also, Jeff was very disappointed with how the Dreams and Yao Man thing played out. Had Dreams fulfilled his end of the bargain, you'd have a very popular player win the game, Yao Man. And the homeless kid goes out in a heroic blaze of glory. And then the last thing is that... And yes, there was an unfortunate racial undertone involved at the end of the season, which made the incident really ugly. The whole thing, the fan fallout, we're talking about the fan fallout with Dreams and Yao, where the fans just completely tore down Dreams for, you know, there's been other seasons where people have not lived up to promises they don't get torn apart. And Dreams just got absolutely massacred on the message boards. And uh, our insider says, I know that it took Jeff and CBS by surprise just how ugly people got about Dreams carjacking Yao. And that's how people would describe it, carjacking again. The black guy took the car from the Asian guy at the carjack. That's exactly how people would phrase it. It says, if you remember, the message boards went crazy with all sorts of horrible racism always aimed at dreams. And basically, then we end up with a, all of this stuff combined to make this a letdown for production. It's arguably a better season than Cook Island, certainly a more dynamic cast and better gameplay. But ultimately, it suffered in public perception because of A, the car incident, and two, and this is something that we didn't talk about, the lack of blondes. Jeff says Fiji is his least favorite season, but I don't believe him. I think it suffers the same way that Vanuatu, Vanuatu does not is his eyes. A good season that somehow and for some reason America didn't like. So it's not Jeff's least favorite season, but it may be his biggest disappointment. And here's he says the legacy, the legacy is that we see a sudden shift after the season back to more applicants than recruits. And one thing you'll notice very strongly after the season is more blondes in every season. I mean, token teams is all blondes and there's less diversity. And that's, for some reason, that's like a big sticking point. They didn't have blondes in this season. They needed more blondes. And then the last season is, uh, the last thing is, ultimately, the car controversy destroyed this season in the eyes of the American public, which is unfortunate because Fiji really is very good. And also, Ford was pissed. That was the last time they worked with Survivor, essentially ending the car reward for good. So, Fiji killed the car prize. So... Nothing you know, earth-shattering there, but a couple things about you know the stuff with Dreams at the end was really ugly, and it really did catch production off guard, how ugly it got and how horrible Dreams was treated. And just just there's been a racial overtone to Fiji ever since. And I actually have a couple emails here I want to read, just two things. I have a friend named Langston Leak. He's an uh, African-American, and we were just talking about this today. And he, he made some really good points about Dreams and just race that I just want to talk about here, I, and I'm going to end my section on the podcast with this. Langston, wrote, Dreams is, in my opinion, one of the finest characters the Survivor editors ever put together. It would have been so easy to make him the bumbling villain of the season, especially because of how likable Yao Man is. But they gave Dreams so many good moments and introspective moments and layers of complexity. In all of the seasons of Survivor, there are few characters as fascinating to me as Dreams. And he's really the cornerstone of that season, more so than Yao Man or Earl, which is part of why I think people don't really like Fiji. They simply cannot get behind someone as different and undefined as dreams. And here's the last part. This is gonna be my last uh, comment on Fiji. Langston wrote, I don't want to point fingers and say that there's a racial element, but I just think it's significant how a lot of the Survivor fan base, overwhelmingly white, views dreams very differently from how my family and I viewed dreams. I think with most fans, the cultural and racial disconnect is just way too much. My family and I were Earl fans all the way, but we were incredibly sympathetic to dreams. I was shocked when I first started getting into the survivor community and seeing how hated he was. And I'm glad you guys on historians are more complimentary of him as a character than a lot of survivor fans are. And I just thought that was an interesting comment that there's a lot of different ways to view dreams. And I just, I, I think it's unfortunate the way he was treated by the fan base. And it's just one of those things that's, it's just a shame. And I think it's cast a a cloud over Fiji ever since. And I just think that was a very powerful email and, uh, I would, I would encourage everyone to watch Fiji one more time and kind of give it a second chance and just watch it through different eyes this time.
4: Yeah, I think even just watching Fiji this time with this kind of perspective of the four of us and what we've discussed, it's made go even up higher on dreams. Um, I don't think I ever had like the total like, you know, I mean, I was upset with him because of the Yao thing back when, but I also was like much younger and much more immature and didn't really understand. And, you know, I understand. I think a lot more now. And um, and watching this again, I really like that comment that you read, and I, I think that's a good challenge to make everyone you know watch the season with a little bit more attention, a little bit more love for Dreams. Yeah, I mean, I, I think
2: that the crux of that email as well, when we say that the season is the the Earl and Yao Man show, I, I, I mean exactly that. It's the Earl and Yao Man show, but Dreams is the pulse because the game goes through Dreams. Earl wins the game, and Yao Man is you know, our overwhelming sort of fan favorite character that comes out of it. But Dreams drives this season because it's him that, you know, gets the gets, you know, controversy going sort of in those early uh, episodes. It's him that, you know, the sort of betrays the horseman, goes with the syndicate, like and then the, the Yao Man stuff at the end, like everything goes through Dreams. And so because. Of that I think that attention is paid to him in the edit and he's one of those characters that we talk about where and like it says he's not a villain he's not he's complex there's a lot of layers around him he's a one in a million character in Survivor uh, because they craft him well you know and and he himself has many layers it's not just oh well that you know he's just this you know single forward thinking person and you know, the edit made him look some way like he is a complex individual. He had a lot of things going on during that season and we were there with him the entire way. And I'm really glad that they showed it.
0: Yeah, And, and I all that, all, I was going to say, all that being said, he didn't deserve to win. No. I mean, he still no. had legitimate reasons. Oh he God, no, he, Not uh, at all. he turned and, on alliances, you know, <laughs> like you can't
3: do that. The thing about the insider email is that I'm a little disappointed that after we've had two seasons of very diverse casting uh, and, you know, the big characters of both of these, both this season and Cook Islands, being minorities, we are, as the email said, going back now to this sort of whitewashed cast. You know, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get a couple, a few minorities in China, but we're pretty much going to go back to the formula. Which, again, you know, it, it kind of sucks. Yes, the the Cook Islands twist lost a lot of sponsors and a lot stayed, which is sort of questionable to begin with, but. Uh, you know, it was nice to see that issue kind of being addressed, and at least them tr- being proactive about it. And now they're sort of saying, "Well, we're gonna wipe the slate clean, uh, metaphorically speaking, and let's let's go back to the way we normally do things."
0: Actually, there was one more part on our insider email I, I skipped over, and I'm gonna read that now. It, it actually talks about what you just said. It said, uh, "China was a diverse season that people forget." james sharia pg frosty and i'm pretty sure both Jean robert and aaron were mixed race but they also had a ton of white bread people so yeah you're correct we're going to kind of move away from that again again it's probably because fiji was so unpopular it's like well we need more blondes we need more cute young white girls and more blondes and that's just the way it is and i I hate to say that you know the season with the all african-american final three was unpopular but you know it was hate to say that but all that being said we're on to China now, guys.
3: Oh man, uh, this is <laughs> this is this is awesome. It's super exciting. Mario, I know you've said that China is probably the only season after season 10 that you could like lump in there with the with the old school seasons running right up there along with them and I it's just such a fun all of us old school survivor purists. This is the perfect season because they go back to 16 Yes, they have idols, and they have a final three, but, I mean, it's it's a really great cast, really interesting course of events, fantastic location. We get we get culturally significant things again. They're going to China. They're going to... is the first series to ever film on mainland China. Not only that, you know, for your strategy heads, we've got Todd working his stuff. For the character people, we have James and Courtney, who are both absolutely fantastic and funny as hell, and it's just... It's going to be great, a great you know, just great season to talk about. And for you Montanans out there, Paul, ooh, ooh, we finally get to talk about the one and only Amanda Kimmel and her oh. tenure on the show.
4: That is right. Finally, yeah. we get some Montana
0: representation. Yeah, tenure is basically how long it felt like they kept putting her on the show. <laughs> Ten years. So yeah, so I'm looking forward to talking about 15 great characters and also Amanda. So I'm very much looking forward to. <laughs> oh, this <trying>. is gonna. <laughs> this That's gonna right. Be fun, Mario. It's gonna start it's gonna now. This is gonna be Gene Gate version two. <laughs> oh no,
4: you've been saving up all this time. Now you're gonna unleash the Gene treatment onto Amanda. Can't That's wait.
0: Right. Gene is the Bozeman to Amanda's butte. Did I say this right? <laughs> Yeah, good job. Sorry, I'm messing with powers. I can't understand. I'm it. so glad that you could like
2: spin a spin a globe and like point at things. That's really good.
0: <laughs> All right. So yeah, so that's it for Fiji. Enough about that. I know if you guys have any comments or feedback, feel free to write us in survivorhistorians at gmail.com. And I am so excited to talk about China because yeah, like Mike said, China is the one that i love of the anything after about palau china is this the one that stands out so much to me as being such a fun lighthearted, just goofy as hell season that i just love it's everything that i want to see in survivor and amanda
4: <laughs> yay
0: <laughs> all right you guys i got anything more in fiji i know we're closing on three and a half hours i better wrap this up
2: no, I think we covered it. Bring on China. Good. Yeah, bring on China. I mean, we're all excited for this. This is – Mike, was your first season Pearl Islands or were you after Pearl Islands?
3: I was I was all-stars. You were
2: all-stars. So this is your first foray, Mike, on Historians. I feel like, you know, there's mixed seasons all around, but I feel like Pearl Islands was sort of the last season that we did that was just universally loved by not only us on the Historian panels, but I think, you know, by the Survivor community as a whole – And, you know, people, some people like All-Stars, some people hate All-Stars, we hated All-Stars for the most part, but, like, then we get this sort of, we have to defend Vanuatu, and, you know, Palau is generally all right, but it was there, but I feel like China is the next season that we're getting to, where it's like, everybody loves Survivor China, including us, (laughs) so, you know, it's another one of those we have to cover a very universally beloved season, and we love it, I love it, I love China, I, I don't think that any one of us hates China, by any stretch but nobody hates survivor china so we get to sort of share in the love together i think
0: i know one guy named adam kolodny who hates china and it bothers me i oh. can't figure out how somebody could hate china it's he ad, hates it it's ad call what are you gonna it's do ad call yeah he loves the feed, but he hates china all right i think that's it uh again thank you for listening we really appreciate it um we do this guys these shows for you guys uh we appreciate all the feedback we Get a ton of positive press about these things. People seem to love these, so that's why we keep doing them, and uh, we appreciate it. So, as always, I'm Mario Lanza, and...
1: I found a lemon tree!
0: I'm Jay Fisher. I did
2: not
4: find a lemon tree.
3: Uh, I'm Mike Bloom. I have to go see a BOO about an ACL.
0: And I'm Paul Ossison. I'm still here, and so are my water shoes. All right, thanks for listening, and we will see you guys in China, where the good thing is, after you watch China an hour later, you want to watch it again. I uh, will talk to you guys later. Bye. Whew. All right. Let's see. Um, Eeny, meeny, miny, moe.
4: Catch a liar by the toe. If he hollers, let him go. Not really. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Cassandra, can I see your water shoes? <laughs> and then apprehensively, Cassandra, sure. And she, uh, you know, kicks up her shoe. Lisi all right, those are the worst looking water shoes I've ever seen. It's just telling me that you were completely unprepared to play this game. Would you agree with that? And then Cassandra, I think, actually handles herself pretty well. And he goes, no, it's day 39 and I'm still here and my shoes are still here. And at least he tries it. Out. no, okay. Cassandra finishes. That's all I can say. I don't see the relevance in the question. <laughs> but Lisi explains herself here. I mean, she really like, you know, after Lisi explains this, you go, oh, I get it now. She says, I brought the shoes because you were in over your head. So I'm thinking for 39 days, she made it because greed. I think greed is really what fueled everything. Would you agree with that? Yes or no? Cassandra, no, I don't believe that. I mean, I'm not surprised to hear that comment from you. My purpose for being on the island was to prove some things to myself. Lisey, so greed never propelled you? Cassandra, greed never propelled me. So what did? What did? Your love of the outdoors? And <laughs> um, But and then this is one thing. It's like at this point, Cassandra's kind of winning. She's got it. She's got it. she got it. And then she says, of course, wanting to win a million dollars like everyone else. Oh, yes, no. very Fair statement. uh uh-huh. Oh, what? Say that one more time. Hey, we all did things. Hey, hey, hey! We all try to get them in. Hey, hey! We're playing here. We're playing. Dreams. And then uh, we <laughs> shuffle over to dreams. I want to know how many zeros are in a million. Dream says six. Enough to keep somebody's life running and to help a lot of people. Lizzie, say that one more time. Enough to keep someone's life uh, about the zeros? Six. Good. Good. And then I love what Dreams comes back and says, what, do you think I'm stupid? <laughs> hey, it's a question. I'm part of the jury. This is part of my game. Just like you played your game and you do what you have to do in the game, I get that opportunity too. Okay. And then she gets into this weird thing talking about Earl and calling Earl out for the face that he made. Um, I won't go through the whole uh, rebuttal of that part, but... God, I love Lacey. I, I found the lemon tree. I found the lemon
1: tree. I found the lemon 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 tree. I found the lemon. I found the <inaudible> lemon tree. I found the 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 lemon tree. Lemon tree. I found the 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 tree, I found the lemon tree. 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 I found the <inaudible> lemon tree. I found the 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 lemon tree. Lemon tree, I found a 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 lemon tree, I found the 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 lemon tree, I found a lemon tree, I found the lemon tree, I found a lemon tree. I found the lemon tree, 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 I found the lemon tree. 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 I found the tree, I found the lemon tree. 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 I found the tree, I found a lemon 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 tree, I found the lemon tree, I found a lemon tree, I found the 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 lemon tree. I, a I found the lemon tree, so I found the lemon tree, 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 I found the lemon tree.